A man become preeminent, he is expected to have enthusiasms. 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 What am I? What draws my admiration? What is that which gives me joy? Baseball. Sat down with Kev Masturation from the Operating Room. It's Kev's podcast called the Operating Room. You could find him on Twitter at Roto Surgeon. So that was pretty cool. We um, first time we really got a chance to talk to each other besides Twitter, and uh, I just really love how conversations unfold um, when you're talking to others for the first time and trying to, you know, um, adjust to the comfortability level and find a, a similar feel um, for what you're going to be talking about and um, just one thing I love about doing a podcast just you know something um, turned to something great and that's what we did we had an awesome talk um, about fantasy baseball um, about life and, and at the end we talked a little bit about basketball and football as well because uh, I was heavy into um, all three sports so um, yeah a little lengthy, as uh, I'm prone to do, um, but it's fun. Um, hope you guys stick around and listen to it. We have some good stuff that we talk about, um, how we got into fantasy and how we just got into the general idea of, you know, molding teams and building teams in not only fantasy baseball, but every, pretty much every sport or everything we played in our life, so video games and whatever. Um, so, yeah, we do that. We do a little, we talk about some players that we're kind of in on right now. Um, baseball, um, fantasy baseball, and um, you know, go over some draft strategies that we employed during the baseball draft season and how they're playing out right now. We touch up on TGFBI and NFBC leagues and whatnot. So, yeah, hope you enjoy the podcast and thank you for listening. All right, folks, welcome back to the Pull Hitter Podcast. I am the dead Pull Hitter, Rob DiPietro. Today, my special guest is Kev Maceration, the roto surgeon himself. How are you doing, buddy? How's it going, Rob? Good to be on. Uh, I feel like we've been meeting to do this for like a month now, so I'm real glad that you uh, we finally got together. I yes. know you've been on vacation, so I don't blame you one bit. Yeah, yeah, we had a couple of snafus. In the, in the, I think one night I fell asleep um, the, <laughs> and, and I was like, oh shit, sorry, Kev, like next morning. But um, that's, you know, the one blessing about podcasting, right? We could just pick up and do it whenever, you know, we please to. And uh, it's pretty cool. So um, you, you have a podcast yourself. Um, when did you start up that podcast, Kev? Wow. So uh, the operating room, my podcast uh, hosted by not hosted by, but like uh, via Rotoballer. Okay. One of the many Rotoballer podcasts like, you know, uh, Zach Roto's draft champions pods on there. Uh, we have a bunch of other great uh, pods. But yeah, so the operating room has been going for just 
below i think it's like nine months now we're going we're on episode 38 we do we do one weekly and it's just me and i always have a guest on so you know i've been rolling with that and getting comfortable with hearing my voice because uh, that's been the hardest part i guess <laughs> learning to hear myself talk and becoming comfortable with that but yeah the pod's doing great i had james anderson on the most recent pod talking about prospects and rookies for this year and next so you know i'm real happy with it and um anybody who gets a chance go check out the operating room Absolutely. Definitely. Did, um, so it's funny. You mentioned hearing your voice. Did you, did you, or do you listen to your pods at all? Like, do you play oh. it back and listen to yourself? Um, it, it, it's, I, I do. I, I listen to almost every, I mean, I think I listen to every pod, but okay. it's very difficult to do it. Like soon after I post, I usually give it a couple hours to marinate. <laughs> and like, I hope like my hope is someone else listens to it and tells me I did something wrong right. rather than me. Cause if I hear it, I'm going to like, just go crazy that I'm like, no one said anything. And I'm like, Oh God, like everybody already heard. And you know, I- I'm miserable now, but no, um, I listen to my podcasts. I just make sure, um, I don't really stumble over my words too much or I don't go mm, like this that I say yeah definitely a lot so if you ever listen to my pod <laughs> and you hear like you hear me like right after my uh my guest says something I'm like yeah definitely and I say yeah, that definitely. way too much and I'm trying to cut down on it so excuse me if you hear anything repetitive like that I'm I'm doing my best and it's tough as you know you do it you have a one-man pod as well you know the difficulties with it don't you Oh yeah, I say a hundred percent, like almost after every sentence. Um, <laughs> I'll say some, you know, some word definitely that it's just yeah. When I listen back, I'm like, wow, that's that that's just that's got to stop. But like, it's so hard to just completely stop saying words or you know speak like you mm-hmm. like you speak every day. Or um, so yeah, I, I I try my best. You know, at first I remember um you know editing my first couple of podcasts I'm like I'm gonna take out all these ums and and, and this and that and I was there for like six hours and I'm like there's yeah. no way I'm doing this again <laughs> no chance you know it just took way too much of my time I'm like spent the whole day doing that taking out the ums I, I should have called that the uh um, the first episode, it should have been taken out the arms. Definitely. <laughs> oh my God. You should have seen, you should have seen me with my first few pods. It took, I, I spent like an entire night doing the, or a couple nights actually doing my first few and editing out like pauses, this and that. And now, you know, as you like 38 episodes in, I'm a little more comfortable just, you know, keeping the, keeping my speaking and whatnot rolling and, you know, uh, kind of having those segues when you're going from one topic to another. It's hard. It is like, this isn't an easy thing to do. It's, it's not like work, work, but you get it. It's, uh, it's like your baby almost. And you feel like you're putting it out to the world. You're kind of, you're a little vulnerable doing something like this. So you want to put out the best product possible. Uh, but at the same time, you know, the work, you're not necessarily getting properly compensated for it so it's like okay i'm gonna put six hours into a pod (laughs) like editing it after i did two hours or so recording it it's just like jesus sometimes it doesn't feel worth it but once you get it rolling and i'm sure you've been rolling it's it it becomes a lot easier and you become more comfortable just kind of leaving it be and not you know not chopping in too hard because my pods (laughs) usually i edit the beginning and the ending and i'm very comfortable with the middle part for the right right absolutely absolutely I, i remember the first time i just opened up the editing a uh, tool and um, using logic. And I remember my wife left for work. It was like a Saturday and she leaves at like eight o'clock. She gets back at like five, five thirty, And um, 
when she got back home, I was still like figuring out <laughs> the, be- the the most basic things on how to like, you know, edit everything and incorporate stuff and, you know, like merge stuff. And I was mm-hmm. just like, and she's like, how's it going? Like, did you, you know, play it? And I'm like, play it. I'm like, I'm still <laughs> learning how to use this thing. It's like sometimes um, like my brain uh, doesn't really factor in that it's going to be like uh, a long time to figure something out that's so in-depth like editing. And uh, I completely lost that day. Uh, the the editing um, adventure definitely beat me that day <laughs> into the oh, ground. Yeah, no, it, you really have to, you do have to buckle down. You have to kind of Oh my God. It's like, it's work. It is. It really is. And I was so shocked starting up because I thought it would be easy. Not going to lie. I I definitely thought this would be not easy, easy where it's like, Oh, just put it out there. But I'm like an iMovie master now I want to say, and that (laughs) took like seven, eight months to get to this point. But yeah, a lot of, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of stressful days when you put it out and you're not sure if it's the best and you hope no one's judging you that like, you, yeah, this pod isn't as good as another pod they listen to, and why would I keep listening to this if I have this? I already listened to, so right, right. Uh, it, it's like those little nagging things, but yeah, what were yeah. you saying? No, I was gonna say I, I'll listen to like other analysts, and I, I'm like, man, I, I should just stop speaking because <laughs> I, yeah, you I, don't, I don't sound that you can't well. help but compare. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. No, it's it's absolutely. and you just kind of beat yourself up over it when you really shouldn't because you know when I was listening to like my peak of listening to podcasts, I guess this is like a year or two ago when, um, you know, I was just kind of not getting into it, but getting more into like N- uh, NFBC, NF- uh, FFPC for football and all that. Mm-hmm. And I wanted a little more best ball strategy. I wanted to learn more. I was listening to as many pods as I could. So, you know, if you have a good enough product out there people will listen and it's just you have to have interesting people and you have to have interesting topics and you know you got to be entertaining and i've listened to your pod you're definitely plenty entertaining you you like to have a good time on here joke around and you know that's why i'm on here because i you know you're a great guy i love your i love to follow you on twitter so thanks you know. buddy yeah i mean i i kind of think that uh you know um everyone i talk to to we're on the same level um it's just uh you know, uh, I've, I've always been like the life is really short and, you know, you really should just, you know, try to meet as many people as you can, talk to as many people you can and and just like really listen. I just think that's the biggest problem, you know, like mm-hmm. in the in the world right now is that like everyone is always waiting to talk and they're never really listening to the other person talking. And I try to do like a, I really try to be confident out of my podcast. Like I never, you know, in, I never interrupt people. I was like really conscious of just letting them talk and like really listening to what they're saying, you know, cause sometimes I listen to a pod and I just feel like they're on turbo to that next question or that next segment, you know? And it's, um, I like the interaction. I think like that, that's where you get like the real meat of, uh, you know, of an episode or a conversation is when you get in depth and, you know, in into deep and like, oh, that was some good stuff right there, you know, so. Absolutely. I appreciate you listening. And um, yeah. So, so why, why did you um, decide to do a podcast? Like what, what, what led you down this road? Um, I'm sure you've, you know, you're definitely into sports. Uh, you know, I see you follow a ton of sports, basketball, baseball, football. Um, did you play sports? Did you uh, grow up um, just watching it or um, playing, you know, all that stuff? And do you still play now? Like um, you still uh, involved in any athletics? 
Uh, okay, so that's a that's a long question. I can I can let me take that let me take this down one by one because there's a lot that goes into this. <laughs> Look, right now I'm a five foot eight white guy, Armenian guy who is white as well, whatever. And I'm you know not very athletic, so I do play sports right now. And I have like I play basketball, I play soccer, I like you know I dabble Ooh. in baseball with my friends, but nothing too organized. It's just us playing. Like you know we have some nets and we have some uh, bats and balls, and we just like to mess around. Football occasionally, but Wood yeah, bats? I like to play. Wood what? bats or metal? Wood yeah. bats? Uh, I mean, it depends on whatever we have. So, like, I'll bring a wooden bat. My friends will have metal, and we'll just mess around. We'll see how far nice. we get the ball. Nice. So, we just, you know, right now I have a good time. Like, you know, it's just to, you know, stay in shape, have some fun, exercise. You know, exercising is boring. You can't do, you can't just run and lift weights all the time. I don't really lift the weights that much now anyway with COVID or, well, not as much now, but whatever. Right. You know, with things, right. things opening up. But back then, it, when I was in like elementary school, I'd play sports all the time. Recess, any sort of like 10 minute period we had to ourselves. Like we were out there playing basketball, soccer, football, this and that. So, like, I grew up playing all of this. And then my buddies and I, we'd recap games that we'd watch the day before. My buddy would be on the phone with me for an hour and a half when we were like eight or nine years old, recapping like hockey games. And we'd just be talking about it. What what, what happened? What went wrong? What we should do? Who should, who should who we should sign, trade for, this and that. So I've always That's been cool. into that. Yeah, always been into that. And once I started playing like Madden and you know, 2K or NBA Live back then, 2K now. NBA I do all, Live, wow. I, yes. do, I do fantasy draft. I'd always do fantasy drafts. So I'd love to create my own teams. I grew up creating my own teams all the time. And I'd be like, well, I can make a better team than these, what managers did. So I would do that. I'd own, or I wouldn't even play the games, honestly. I would sim through the season. I didn't even like playing the games. I just liked making my own team. And then, you know, lo and behold, I ended, I ended up early college. Uh, this was about eight years ago, I want to say 2013. Yeah, when I got into fantasy sports and my buddy's like, hey, you want to join a basketball league? I was like, what the hell is that? He's like, you just draft players. I'm like, I've done this for like the last 10 years of my life. Of course I want to join this. So yeah. I did that. I, I I think I won that league. Yeah, I won my first ever fantasy league. Then I had football, then eventually baseball. And then, you know, it all tumbled into me being like, a, not a high stakes player because I'm only putting like a couple hundred dollars in. But I mean, a per league, I, I, I put like a... You know, not like this isn't a brag. Like I'll put like a few thousand in. I feel like that's not much. That's like a main event buy-in for some people. I don't do main events because I right. am 27. I don't have that kind of cash flow yet. But uh, yeah, no, I it just all culminated into where I am today, where I just love sports and putting teams together because it just feels like I like. I think my dream is to be a general manager or an owner person of a team. So that's like you know that's the crap. That's like a pipe dream, right. but right. I just, I love sports and I love putting teams together and it's just so much fun seeing it come together to win a league and work out. And I don't know yeah. why it just feels like that sense of control is fun. And then obviously winning money is great now in these money leagues, but I right. like winning. I like winning. I like the sense of control. I like saying I did this. I put this together. Absolutely. I, I, I feel the same way. And just like you, um, I have, I have three older brothers and you know, we grew up playing everything. Like, I don't know if you're, if you've um, ever played Stratomatic or heard of it. It's like the board game. It's like highly, like the first, like advanced, you know, like whatever you call it, like a, a simulator type game, you know, it would have cards and we'd roll dice. And uh, I was just playing that like at really young age, like putting lineups together. Like you said, like um, just making lineup, winning strategy, um, you know, like, having drafts like you said we me and my brothers would have drafts and we used to make leagues and we would keep track and you know we still have some of like the you know like the scorecards from like 
geez, like the early 90s, like late 80s. And some of the, like, it's so cool. Like I, that I can, like, I still have this stuff. But my oldest brother kept, kept everything. And we just look back at it sometimes like, holy crap. But we, we, we made a game for everything, you know, like, like you said, like you would just like make, make, make a league, make a game. Um, even if it like, if it involves like actual sports, you know, like I remember making games out of like matchbox cars, you know, like, and like everything we can make a league into, we did it, you know? And uh, yeah, totally just goes right into fantasy sports and that whole, uh, you know, desire to, like you said, mold something into your own, you know? And uh, yeah, I think GM would be pretty cool, man. I think he got it. I think he should go for it. <laughs> eventually i Whatever mean I don't, I don't even care what team it is i i just want to have that sense of control and yeah no part of it though sports cards too i loved collecting sports cards mm-hmm. growing up i still collect sports cards but there was a lull when the market kind of died but when i was like uh preteen my buddies and i we'd all like show each other like you know the the, the jersey pieces the autographs this and that and like you know now i now i collect is more of a it's like part hobby part like investment kind of but it's not like the best investment but i still love having it i still love having those players in my possession in some sense not that i own them but like uh, i own a piece like i have a, an investment in their successes so like you know i believed in them and they succeeded and i i, I was right in that sense so right right absolutely it's so Mm-hmm. So it's it's just been all of that, and I just I, I can't get past it. I tried to stop playing fantasy sports. I want to say uh, later in college when I was like, okay, I should focus on school. But then I was just like, I love this shit. <laughs> yeah, I love. It. I mean, it's it's like no harm, no foul. Like I can afford to do it. It's not like I'm you know back then I wasn't putting like much money in. It's like maybe a couple, you know, like a fifty dollar league here and there, and just like mm-hmm. you know, those my buddies. But yeah, and. Yeah, I it's just so much fun for me and I just can't get past it. And my mom thinks I'm addicted because I I'm on the couch from like 10 a.m. to like 8 p.m. on a Sunday. I'm just like, well, it's football. It's like, what do you want? And then, you know, on my I'm watching MLB TV in the middle of my work day. And it's you know, I mean, it is what it is. I like, you know, yeah. you can't say no to something you love. It's not like I'm harming myself, I think. I hope not. You can it's have like a worse, minor. You can have very worse <laughs> addiction than than playing fantasy sports, that's for sure. You know, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it all comes down to you know and uh yeah you know i remember when i first met my wife you know she she was like oh so what's this stuff that you do you know playing with her? and she's like oh that's cool like and then like uh like six months after we first started dating you know it was like one the league my home league two of my home leagues and um you know just remember being like so do you want to go to jamaica you know <laughs> she's like oh oh yeah shit. okay like, uh... <laughs> and so now it's like you know every year as long as we can go away then she's like put as much time as you want into it and she was really um like um you know the one who really like uh like drove me to do the podcast i got hurt at work and um i've been out of work for a while um from the injury and uh you know she's like all right here you go here's um get a microphone learn how to podcast you know like i can't do that you know just all these guys are professionals she's like you listen to all of them you do well in your league she's like you can do it and uh you know it, it was cool having that that like extra push you know like and also like you know just knowing that she's cool with like like you said like all right you know go do your work like go do your sunday bids like she knows like uh she does horse riding that day and does other stuff and you know she knows that i'll be busy doing that but she knows i love it and she knows like i'm gonna give it my all you know to like do well so um it's it's good having that uh, you know at least i don't feel like a big bag of shit all day in in being like you know driven off the wall yeah 
by my wife or anybody else, you know, being like, oh, you got to stop doing this. But uh, so you need that kind of like, okay, I could do this, leave me alone. And, uh, you know, it's not like I completely do nothing else that day on no. Sunday, but um, as much time as I can give it to Fab as I can, uh, you know, I'll, I'll do it. Um, but it's funny how you like mentioned, like, you know, wanted to be like a GM. Um, I was like, you know, I was thinking like, you know, how they have like these esports. Like, I wonder if we could like just thought like, you know, like you would be like the general manager of like other fantasy players and like you'd put together a team of fantasy players, you know, and you'd have like these these groups of, you know, uh, fantasy people going against others like the esports has, you know. So, I mean, you'd have to like sim a season in yeah. within an hour. <laughs> that There's like no way that could happen because you're, you're like, OK, I, I made or it's like you could do a DFS lineup. They're like, OK, now we have to watch baseball for six hours <laughs> for like the results to come by. So oh, I don't know if that's man. the most viable, but I get what you mean. And that's awesome that you have a wife that's so supportive of what you do. I actually think I had a girl break up with me over me playing fantasy sports so much. That was like my I, had a, I was a girlfriend for like three years and she kind of got sick of it. She's like, is this what like is this what you're going to do forever? I was like, I mean, yeah, <laughs> it's like unless like I have a reason to stop unless like I get bored of it. It's like, you know, I just you know, it's something I like. It's what I like to do. So I'm like, why would I stop? So, right. you know, that's Absolutely. not the only reason we broke up, but I'm sure that was <laughs> played a little bit of a factor. <laughs> Luckily, my current girlfriend's very understanding. She she doesn't mind my Sunday. She doesn't mind my my uh, be looking over my sh- her shoulder at the TV um when i get to uh when there's a game on at a bar or restaurant or whatever right she's really cool so i'm very appreciative it's it's really good to have like people who are super supportive of what you do like you mentioned with your uh podcast like i actually i was brought on a podcast before i ever had mine and this was like three years ago Uh, steve ribeiro brought me on talk rams and Mm -hmm. i it was just about the rams and i like you know i know my I, it wasn't even about fantasy. It wasn't about betting. It wasn't about anything. And it was just like talking about the team. And that's like, you know, that came naturally. And then, you know, I, uh, I was brought on to Sirius XM by uh, Michael Florio and Scott Engel. And that live radio was more stressful than uh podcast because you're live. You can't take back anything you say, you can't edit. So once you do that, it feels, everything else feels a lot easier. So having people who support you and want you to do something makes you want to do it more. So, right. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I definitely feel you on all that uh, that you mentioned, and I'm glad your wife has something else to do on Sundays than watch you do your fab bids. <laughs> yeah, she she she's uh, she keeps herself busy for sure. Like that's good, you know. She'll 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 do whatever she's got to do, and uh, that's that's perfect, you know. It works out just fine, just right that way um, for sure. Um, so um, I I know we're 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 doing pretty well in TGFBI right now. Uh, it's my first year. Is this your how many years have you played in TGFBI? Is this your I second year? This is I want to say first? this is my second year. I finished okay. sixth in my league last year, but I had like ninety something points. Oh, like wow. the middle of that league, the middle of that league was clogged with just like or the. It was like the mid to high end. We were all like in the 90 to like 97 point range. I think I was at 92. I want to say it was like Gray Albright was like right around me. Like, I think it was behind me. So like, I felt, I was like, okay, well, you know, I'm not, I'm not an idiot here. It's like, I didn't do that poorly. It's just someone in our league. Like we were all so good. We all had really good teams and you know, sometimes it just doesn't work out. You're not going to win every league. So this year, luckily I'm in first by a good margin and 10th overall as of right now. And I see you, a little bit higher and that gets me a little sad because you know i'd love to you know you know we're both competitive individuals we both want to have that edge but right you know, i'm 
if anybody's going to beat me, I'm glad it's you. <laughs> Thank you, man. Yeah, it, it's just cool looking at the list and seeing like, oh, I know this guy. I know this guy. You know, it's like so like getting into the, the, the you know, the uh, fantasy landscape and talking with uh, like like minded individuals, you know, like and, and and then like seeing everybody in in the overall, you know, next to each other name to name it's like oh cool oh you still you know i listen to this guy's podcast you know I read this guy's articles so it's, it's pretty cool i like it that's uh definitely been fun um there's uh definitely some level of inactivity that doesn't make me thrilled but um you know whatever like it i i think people don't realize how much it affects the standings around them when they don't participate uh that's the thing that kind of bothers me but whatever it is what it is so what's um what worked for you and your tgfbi team what what um what are the guys that are really like, you know, um, maybe um, any lower round pick guys that really stepped up? And uh, I'm kind of looking at your team. I see uh, Grossman and Adam Frazier in there. Those guys definitely help, right? I'm sure you didn't take them that high and they've just been awesome. Oh, well, I was all, I was, I've been on Adam Frazier. Adam Frazier is pretty so yeah. sick. He has like one of the highest averages in the league. I was, was really bullish on him coming into the season. I thought he should be like a top 200 pick. All right, well, not with what he did last year, but I thought he'd easily have top 200 value with where he's hitting in the lineup. The potential for trade, he's probably going to get traded in a, like a month. So, mm -hmm. uh, and he's, he's going to hit at the top of the lineup probably wherever he goes with how he's playing. So him, but my biggest grab late round is Trevor Rogers. I have Trevor Rogers in like four out of six leagues. He's been the nuts as a pitcher. He's literally a, what a top five, top six starter right now. So yeah, he's been I, out. yeah, I big hit on him, but I have some misses too. I got, I mean, uh, look at freaking Tommy LaStella and, and then freaking Colton Wong. I dropped Colton Wong after he went on the IL. So Wow. Greg Holland in the 16th. So I have some busts. I'm not perfect, but definitely getting back-to-back -back closers with Iglesias and Jansen was awesome. Uh, health has honestly been the biggest differentiator because I got Trey Turner in the first, Kyle Tucker in the second. Obviously, Jack Flaherty hasn't helped. He just got hurt, but he was great when he was healthy. And then mm -hmm. Vlad's. So Vlad, Vlad yeah, I mean, wow. I, I have really good players. I have really healthy players and it's just been a good mix of that. And, you know, it outweighs the busts and I'm sure you've had your fair share of success too, right? Right. Yeah. And uh, just just noting like the like Grossman, Frazier and Cesar Hernandez, like just lead off hitters that are healthy and playing every day. Like that helps so much with the volume. I love those guys. It was the same way, like in ton of DCs where it was just like Adam Frazier, Grossman, just every day, all day. It's like uh, I was like, I'm, I know they're going to lead off and they're going to play and they're going to, you know, they're going to bring a ton of value late, late. And that's what. um that's what I really like tried to do um, this year more than anything in, in the outfield was just make sure like, uh, like I stocked, especially in draft champions. Like I, um, I know people are like, Oh, you can get outfield uh, anytime, but I just like, I wanted to load up as much as I could. And so I didn't have to, you know, um, have any zeros. Um, but those leadoff guys are, are just so huge. They bring so much value. And of course, flat. Yeah. I mean, that's just a stud right there. He's, he's been awesome. Would you get him in the fourth or the fifth round? Fourth round. So fourth uh, round. Yeah. 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 No great. chance. Fifth. I, I, I would have taken him third, but I was like, ah, Flaherty. Flaherty was literally like the last pitcher of that, like the like Nola yeah. of like Giolito, Bauer, Walker, Bueller, Castillo range. I was like, okay, well, I guess I'll take Flaherty. I my my usual targets aren't pitchers that early, but if someone that I, that should go in the second when in the goes in the third, I'm just like, well, whatever. And he was right. great. He was great whenever he pitched. He's kind of practicing now. He's like playing light toss. So if I could get him back post All Star break, I'm happy. 
Sonny Gray, he was decent, but uh, Gossman's been my ace. <laughs> Honestly, Gossman and Trevor Rogers, they've been, oh my God, I cannot complain about either of those guys. And, you know, who, those, those aren't either, those aren't two guys you'd expect to be top 10 pitchers, but here we are. Gossman is just a, a, a beast, a, a total beast right now. Mm-hmm. Just, uh, yeah, I, you know, I, um, I started off pocket easy. I went to Grom and Scherzer. Um, so that right mm-hmm. now is going to be interesting. This is going to, be uh, a big challenge for me trying to navigate through that if they're out for any extended um you know um part parts of the season um i did like you hit on trevor rogers late um you know pick 26 i i i picked him and my first draft champions league was in november it was like one of those crazy like mike the mouth put together like you know uh, uh um uh, a league and uh I'd never done a draft that early in my life, you know, but I just won it. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, come on, you got to play. You're the champ. And I'm like, oh, whatever. Sure. And I just remember like preparing for like, wow, this is nuts. But when I was, when I was looking for, you know, like late round pitchers, I was looking like looking for just guys who I thought were going to throw innings and then just some upstart guys. Like, um, and then, so I tried to filter like some same things that I looked in the previous year that helped me to identify like Corbin Burns, you know, and it was like, Keegan Aiken and Trevor Rogers came up, but Trevor Rogers like was just a little more, um, you know, like intriguing. And I just made, Mm -hmm. like, I picked them in, in, in my November draft and December draft. And, you know, that was like when it was like pick five something and like late four. And then he's totally, you know, he slowly started creeping up, but yeah, I'm, I'm the same as you. I have him like in probably like at least 50, 60% of my leagues. Um, He's just been awesome, but I have, even though, so I lost the Grom and Scherzer recently, but I have a hundred and ten um, lead in in strikeouts. So I'm up hundred and ten strikeouts on the rest Ooh. of all the rest of my league. Um, so I'm hoping that you know I built enough of uh, you know uh, a cushion there to you know to take that. And what's also helped me too is um, so I went to Grom Scherzer and Corey Seager in the third round. I haven't been you know um, playing for a while, and uh, then I went JT and I. Uh, double banged Hader and Edwin Diaz and I came back with Sal Perez so I had two starters two relievers and two catchers um but like I was mentioning prior to the podcast Kev I you know I haven't had to fab a closer and I haven't had to move or fab a catcher and it's just uh it's just such a a a nice um you know cushion to have a nice thing you don't have to really think about every week just it set it and forget it. And then, um, you know, just other picks like Marcus, I mean, has been great. And then, 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 then you get a total bust in Leody Tavares, you know, it's like, Holy shit. I can't believe I took that guy in the 11th round. That's me and Greg Holland. I can't believe I took Greg Holland. It just just (laughs) happens sometimes. You just, yeah. What was I thinking? (laughs) No, seriously. That's, that's what it is. You're just like, well, I had Iglesias and Jansen. Why would I take Greg Holland? I got a little, I got greedy. I was like, ah, if I could get like that third closer and he was good last year, but you know, age cut up. He's been, uh, it just did not work out with him. And I don't even know what's going on with the Royals. Stalmont hasn't been that good lately either. Yeah, no, he's a walk machine, man. I just never really trust that skill. He just puts on too many batters, you know, Barlow's just like the best skill set. And they just reluctant to just let him be the closer, you know? Um, uh, I don't know. I don't know. But, um, yeah, so like getting back to the like late round picks, you know, uh, it, it's 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 I always is I don't know about how your brain works. My brain always gets fixated <laughs> on like something so 
you know, there could be so much good around and then just one little bad in the, in the middle. And it's like, oh, my God. Like, so I had a run of picks from like um, round 18 on was like Evaldi Minor, Brian Reynolds, Cease, Avisel, Hustia, Alzali, J.P. Crawford, Trevor Rogers. It's like, wow, all these guys contributed. And then it's Scott Kingery. And you're like, what did I do when I made that pick? <laughs> like, why? Wow. <laughs> you know, and it's just like, yeah, like I said, it's like eight straight solid picks that, or stole my team performing well. And then I get fixated on the Scott Kingery and it's like, you know, I got to move past it. It's like, it's okay. It's fine. I don't need them. Like, I mean, the Phillies, the Phillies moved past Scott Kingery. So you're not the only one, honestly. No, exactly. Exactly. Right. Um, so, um, what other leagues in the NFBC have you done? Um, did you do this year? You do any draft champions or online champion yeah. I uh, I did not do any OCs, but I did four DCs, and okay. I am uh, I'm top five in three of four, and then the I have one bad league where I'm thirteenth. So it's just like you know, excuse me for my one bad league, but I have like nine. <laughs> I have a minimum of ninety one and a half points, and that's I'm like fifth in that league, and then ninety five and ninety seven and a half. I'm third and fourth, so you know I'm competing. I'm like up there, and I, I just need my guys to stay healthy because there's one league where I'm not. I have like two zeros in my offense, and oh, my wow. entire bet. There's no one on my bench I can start like Marcelo Zuna, JD Davis, Yoshi Tsutsugo. Uh, Adam Hazley. I liked Adam Hazley a lot, but he had like <laughs> yeah. some weird personal. I had a weird personal issue. Tommy Lestella, Corey Seager, uh, Mike Trout. Mike Trout. I can't. I lost him in two leagues. I lost <sighs> Mike Trout. Mike Trout and Corey Seager. I had both of them in the same two leagues. Oh, and wow. one league I'm doing okay, and this league I'm just completely screwed. So yeah, it is yeah. what it is. It is what it is, and yeah, you just gotta fight through it. it's rough with those drafting holds man like you know if if it depends you know like um if you have some guys you know you go through the overall stand and you see some of these guys as like 50 teams you're like wow like you know you got one of those teams two of those teams out of 50 where you can just be like oh this team i'm just gonna do this you know like when you don't do that many teams you know like five i did five draft champions as well um and it's just like you know, I can't have a team where it's like, well, let me just experiment here. <laughs> you know, yeah. look, this is where I went wrong. I took Maeda in the fourth. I told myself I wasn't going to draft uh, Maeda. I, I was out on him. I think Dave convinced me to draft Maeda. So this is all Dave McDonald's fault. So damn you, Dave. Oh, man. Dave, Dave just can't get away from being a, the blame. Jeez. Yeah, no, I was all over Lynn, like Lynn Burns. I have Burns in another league. I have Lynn in another league. And then I was just like, well, this is like my third league. I think I was doing And I was just like, well, it's like my eight is there. I want to I wanted to share because I'm like, you know, I really liked him from his Dodger days. He was amazing last year. There were substantive changes to him. And I was like, oh, well, no, that completely screwed me. He busted my ERA. And then obviously Mike Trout and Seager again, don't help. So it just, everything went wrong. I have a lot of good late round picks like TJ Antone, Dylan C's Kikuchi, uh, Kyle Seager, Savale, Miley. But yeah, I think that, and then just my early picks busting have all just culminated in a bad, bad season. So do you, do, do you, um, when you do your draft, like, I know you mentioned a couple of different of the top tier pitchers. Are you trying to like, um, like let's say you have like um, three shares of Woodruff and you're on your fourth team. Are you one like, all right, well, this, this team, I got to do a little different. Are you like super into diversification or not afraid to go all in on one guy? I'm not afraid to go all in on one guy. I have like yeah. uh, five out of six leagues. I have like Dylan Bundy, which screwed me, but uh, I really believed in him. <laughs> right, but then I right. have, then I have four of six leagues with Aaron Savali. I have four of six leagues with Trevor Rogers. So like, I'm not afraid of 
getting the guys I like. Right, um, right. I'd have Vlad in every league I could, if I could, but uh, I think our my boy Frank Almirante, you know, you know Frank. Mm-hmm. Uh, he 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 cucked me in a league where he took Vlad in the third, and I was like, damn, he's not even gonna get to me now. So I took George Springer, and that didn't work out. So yeah. you know, oh, sometimes man. sometimes your backup, you don't even want your backup. Sometimes you're like, well, it's better than Blake Snell. I'm not gonna take fucking Blake Snell. I'm not an idiot. <laughs> no offense to anyone who drafted Blake Snell, but. uh <laughs> Yeah, no, I just, sometimes things just don't work out like that. I, I have targets. I have targets in almost every round that I, I kind of like I bracket out my rounds. I'm like, okay, if I don't get this guy, I, I want this guy. And if I don't get this guy, I want this guy. But I don't really go by ADP. I just go by the guys I want who are in the range of where I can get them. Right, right. Yeah, at, uh, I think that's that's the biggest thing, you know, in your preparation. Just, you know, have that decision tree waiting for you, you know, especially mm-hmm. if it's a slow draft, you know, it's like, and <laughs> like, there's so many times where I'm just like, just make a pick. It's, <laughs> you know, someone's on like three hours and 30 minutes, like, and, oh my you know. God, the worst. <laughs> and it's like, I get it when people are busy, like it's, it's super, super acceptable. Fine. I get it. You have a job, you know, you gotta do what you gotta do. Children, life, you know, life. But like when it's a lot of, like consecutive picks where it's just like you're going all the way to 352 and you're making a pick and it's just like oh man and i remember even at the main event um so you know todd whitestone who writes streamer.com and i did a podcast with he he um <laughs> he was picking right um right next to uh me and michael and we every time i have back-to-back picks and i would just go bang bang you know and and yeah. Mo- maddie modica was the was the moderator and you know he'd start you know he'd start the start the countdown and todd was like god damn it rob like take your time and i'm like why <laughs> i've spent five fucking months studying like i'm ready to make yeah. the fucking pick you know like i don't need the minute you know, like there's sometimes where you like, OK, well, you know, if you get, you know, um, sniped or, you know, guys take your take, you know, maybe you weren't expecting anyone to go as early as they did. And you have to, like, kind of reroute your brain. But uh, most of my picks were just bang, bang. Like um, I like you said, like you have who you're ready to take in each round. And that was it. Like um, and, <laughs> you know, I was like ready to go every pick. I don't know if it was too excited or not, but. Uh, I, you know, I wanted to cause a little chaos and yeah, I respect it. I respect it. <laughs> hey, no, it. like, honestly, like there's no reason not to, I mean, okay. Like if you take your time, you have the full clock. There's no reason. I just don't like seeing people time out, I guess. But, right. uh, and I don't like when people are consistently taking their time. Like if you take up, if you take your time on a pick every now and then that's fine. I don't mind. It's like, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta, you know, think about it sometimes, but if you're, if you're the lagger in a draft, I absolutely hate you. <laughs> yeah it's like one time i was like just dming this person and it's like hey you're up on you know oh my god you're that guy you're the dmer oh no no no, not but like i'm the dmer at like an hour left like if it's three hours past i'm just letting you know like hey just in case you don't know because Mm. you don't know who had like knows how to do the notifications or you know like anything like that and i don't want to see anyone timed out and it was a person i knew so i was like hey um you know you're up on the clock yeah i know I'm just waiting oh. for, you know, like they're waiting for that injury thing, you know, like, and it's oh like, my God, that's the worst. No, that's, and, like, and, no one should be doing that. But it's like, yeah, you're consciously like waiting, like, oh, I know, like, I'm like, oh, here I am, like thinking I'm, you know, helping you because like, hey, you maybe you fell asleep, you know, maybe you 
whatever, like anything, you know, maybe you have diarrhea and you're just not paying attention. Oh, and you're like, you know, like I'm like, I just want, I hate seeing people time out, you know, like I don't want, and no, I'm not like, no, like I know people, I did one draft where the guy was like, as soon as I was on the clock, Hey, you're on the clock, you know? And it was like, it was a DM message. It was a discord message. And it was like, okay, slow down. <laughs> I know, yeah, no. like actually look at the, you know, um, picks per uh, time per pick. I'm like, I'm actually first in that. <laughs> like, I get it. <laughs> Calm down. But yeah, no, when someone's like getting close to time and out, I don't want to see that because, uh, you know. Just don't be a hero, I guess. Like, you don't have yeah. to. I mean, if they're going to time out, they're going to time out. I've definitely done that in like, I don't want to say home drafts, but uh, what of uh, dynasty drafts. It's just, I want to get to my, sometimes I'm excited to pick. I, I want to see who I'm going right, to get. So right, right. that's, I'm not doing it for them. I'm doing it for me. I'm selfish. I want to, <laughs> yeah, I, I want I my guy. Go. I want to go. And if, <laughs> and if they're like 10 picks ahead, I'm like, okay, well the guy in at the top, Oh, it's like, Oh, am I waiting for, no, it's like, you're going to lose out on him. But there's, like I said, there's the bracket of guys. It's like, you don't, you have your decision tree and you know, you want to see how your team is going to be built going forward. And it's, it's exciting. It's like that fun little spider web. We all get to build with our teams. Absolutely. I, I just, yeah, I love it. I, I love this so much. It's, it's so weirdly fun. It, 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 it doesn't make sense. Like it's, it's a, the, it's the most arbitrary hobby to have, but it, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm very glad it exists. Like, yeah, hundred percent. You, you definitely nailed that. I'm, I'm totally glad it exists. It's great. It's, it's great. You meet great people too. Um, yeah. So, so speaking of, so you're building your, you're doing your spider web, you're building your team. How, how do you, uh, approach your team builds? Like, um, do you have mm-hmm. your, are you like a projection guy? Um, you know, um, uh, are you like uh, pocket aces or, you know, how do you like to construct your draft? I okay. I'm very anti early pitcher. So like, I've like the opposite of mm-hmm. you. I will never, I will almost never go pocket aces unless for some reason someone falls like, uh, and it, it's just like, okay, well, this is values too good to pass up. Like if uh, DeGrom was available at 15 with Cole or something, I'm just like, ah, well, I could get like the top two. That's not going to happen realistically, but you know what I mean? Right. Um, unless something like that, like an outlier happens. I'm not going pocket aces anytime soon. I'm taking my hitters, you know, Mike Trout in the first or Soto or Cunha. Or obviously, Acuna was my first overall this year, and he's been amazing. Like mm-hmm. if, if I had Absolutely. first overall in the league, I was taking Acuna, like dead set, and he's been right. fantastic. So no complaints. But uh, going into that, like usually my first four or five rounds, I want to go hitter. I want to create my base of hitting because I consider myself fairly decent at finding late pitching. Uh, Like I mentioned Trevor Rogers, but that's not obviously going to happen every year. Trevor Rogers don't pop up like out of your ass. Like these are something like this is magical what he's doing right now. But, you know, I'm usually pretty good at finding mid to late round value with starters who were underperformed the year prior or were coming off injury from two years ago and had a struggling first uh, struggle in their first year back. And then in their second year removed from a surgery. I'll buy in. So it's something where that strategy comes into play where I'm like, okay, I see these values late. I know I could get these pitchers later. So I'm going to take all my hitters who I trust and know and have everyday roles because everyday roles are really important. You can't change your lineup every day. So I want a hitter who I know is going to play three, four straight. If they take one day off in a six game week, no big deal. That happens. But I don't want, I don't want platoon hitters. That's like the number one thing I almost avoid platoon hitters, unless it's late rounds. So like Kyle Schwarber, I would like almost never have, obviously he's doing fantastic this year. Um, but uh, speed, I don't worry about speed so much. So I think I could get that later. Usually I find guys that I like later on who could get me speed and batting average. And then I don't like projection 
projections too much because I think projections uh, for at least younger guys are far too median. Like, they, they, I mean, it, it's, it's unfair to some of these guys. It's like, they don't take the proper learning curve into effect. It's like, you know, that jump can happen out of nowhere. So that's right. why I was on Vlad. I'm like, you know, we've seen it improve from year one to year two, you know, it's not going to be an incremental jump from year two to year three. It's going to be a, a, like a blast off when it happens. And I thought it would be happened this year. And like they added to their offense. I was like, everything's coming into play for the Vlad year. And it did luckily, but it easily couldn't have. And I could have been screwed, but whatever. I was still going to take my chances on him because if it doesn't work with him, I'd have three or four other hitters early who are studs that I can rely on. So yeah, that's just my general strategy. Hitters early, pitchers later. And then in the middle, I just take the guys I like, guys with like good stack cast profiles, obviously good uh, track records. Health, I'm a big health nut. So if mm-hmm. you have a recent history of being uh, of missing a ton of games, I'm almost always going to be out. Even in the later rounds, I don't risk missing games because like, you know, like I'm missing in a one league right now where I'm taking zeros in two lineup spots, it's because of just, you know, I, I got really unlucky, like Jeff McNeil and freaking, I mean, Jeff McNeil is a weird history with injuries, but he's been fine in the MLB. Mm-hmm. It, it, it happens sometimes. You're going to have some guys you lose out on, but I'm very strict with being uh, in, injury avert or risk averse in that sense. And if avoiding quote unquote injury prone guys where, you know, I know they don't actually exist because, you know, it's been disproven, but it exists. I, I I feel like anyone who says it doesn't is either like someone who's trying to sell sell like a shtick or a liar or whatever. <laughs> Injury prone exists. Like you look at these guys, it's like Michael Brantley for the longest time. Like you everyone drafted Michael Brantley for like three, four straight years. He was missing time every year and like playing like 10 games. Yeah. Or um what is it like uh Troy Tulowitzki? Troy Tulowitzki was injury prone. Don't you can't tell me otherwise. Like some guys are just not built for 162 games or in football, 16 games. It it definitely it's a thing. And you know, it, it's, it, they could play a full season, but I'm not going to bank on it. Right. 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 Yeah. And, 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 you know, that's a tough thing. I think to, um, you know, when you're walking into the season to try to project like into, you know, um, what you think a player can do, you know, like um, I know people try to project it into their, into the numbers that they're projecting for a player or, you know, um, I know some people who are like knock off 10% of playing time for everybody, <laughs> you know, like, and just say, all right, everyone's bound to get hurt, you know? Um, so it was definitely, it definitely is a real thing. There's definitely players who, um, you know, don't, don't get out there. Um, and it could be just because they get hurt a lot or it could just be like, they don't have a high tolerance for pain, you know, <laughs> and we don't know oh, those things. <laughs> You know, we don't know how tough, like mentally tough people are, but, you know, we, yeah, you definitely have players who, you know, you can safely just say, you know, I'm staying away from this guy. And that's the thing. Like if, 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 if that guy stays healthy and he does well, it's like, okay, like, well, I could win without that player who usually gets hurt, you know? And it depends on the injuries too. It, it really depends. If it's like, obviously hamstring muscle injuries, I'm avoiding almost all muscle injury guys. If a guy like sprained his ankle, I'm like, okay, well he sprained his ankle. That's not a big deal. If he got hit in the face by a ball and his face cracked, I'm just like, well, that's not exactly the most recurrent thing. So I I'm going to, you know, cut him some slack. So I'm not, I'm not staunchly looking at, Oh, he missed games. I'm out on him. It's why did he miss games? What is going on? Like Yasiel Puig for so many years, he had hamstring injuries. Uh, Yoannis Cespedes for so many years, he was missing time after like, obviously after he joined the Mets mostly, but you know, some guys just the way they play, they play harder. They play, you know, sometimes shortstops, they play a more violent way in the field and they're diving for balls. It just, 
These things happen. It, it, it's, it's a freak thing, sure, but they're in the way of risk more often than not. So uh, it just, you got to take it all into account. And, and, you know, if the value's really good, okay, sure, I'll, I'll definitely take a guy. Like a pitch, every pitcher is injury prone. I think that's kind of false. I mean, that's, uh, you know, you could say maybe injury prone for pitchers is false. And that's why I avoid pitchers early. Any pitchers, any pitcher could get hurt at any time. You're throwing the ball 95 miles an hour or, or more or around whatever, a hundred times a game, every five days, you're making a crazy motion. You look at a hitter. How many swings does a hitter take per game? Yeah. Like 30, maybe max. That's with a bunch of foul balls. No, no, yeah, that's, that's, not, that's way too much. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that's like a high end. So you're yeah. swinging 30 times. That's like you had an Alex Cora like uh, outing with like yeah, four, right. 17, 17 foul balls at once. But you know what I mean? It's like, you know, you yeah. take 15 to 20 swings. I think that's more reasonable in a, in a single game compared to a pitcher throwing 95 miles an hour, a hundred times a game, right. you're putting yourself in harm's way more as a pitcher to get hurt than a hitter. So obviously p- hitters in and of themselves are safer. Yes. An outfielder can get hurt running to a ball that can happen, but I'd say that's less likely than with pitchers where again, it's insane how pitching works in general. So right, you have to take them at a certain point. You can't not have pitchers, but you have to kind of hedge your bets and not take them too early. Right. Absolutely. I think it's a good mix to do, you know, like a, a little bit of everything. There's some leagues where I did pocket aces. There's some leagues where I didn't take one. I take a pitcher until round five, you know, definitely. Um, I don't think it's uh, like a good thing to stick to one thing um, and, and say, this is my way, you know, it's uh, like I said, in, like in, in, in the name of like diversification and um, also like, especially at the top, I don't, I like to have like a good spread at the top because, you know, um, uh, there's some guys that definitely double up and triple up on, but in leagues, but, you know, I'm um, just trying to uh, spread it out a little bit at the top where, you know, if I have one guy who gets hurt across the thing, if I took Luis Robert in every league, cause I was high on him, like, you know, he gets hurt. And then like a lot of your teams are, you know, taking a big hit. So at the top, I usually try to, you know, um, spread it out. That's why I've like, you know, it says sometimes I took um, the Grom first. One time it's a Cole first. One time it's a Tatis first. You know, it's, uh, I think it's um, it's good to mix it around and definitely take players that you're comfortable um, to start off your roster. Like you said, starting that base off, um, it's cool. I just love listening to everyone's different strategies and uh, seeing how it plays out in drafts. Like, uh, I think draft season is just so awesome because you're listening to podcasts, right? You've seen everyone preparing for drafts and then you get into some draft of people that you kind of like, kind of know what they're going to do. And you kind of know what a lot of people are going to do if it's like a draft where you're, you're close with people. And um, it's just interesting how it unfolds, you know, it's like almost, it's a cat and mouse game. And like you mentioned before, it's just awesome. It's just, a, I'm so happy it exists because I think like, especially draft season, draft season is just awesome. I just wish it never ends, you know? Yeah, absolutely. But at, at a certain point is it is going to end. And uh, yeah, no, the strategy of it, you're, I like what you bring up with being more diversified earlier on. But for me, I like to be very in on a guy later, like uh, Cronenworth. I have a lot of Cronenworth. I have a lot of Adam Frazier. And those both are paying off. And so, you know, when there's a guy I like later in drafts, I try to get as much of him as I can. So yeah, maybe maybe earlier on that makes sense diversifying. But later on, I'm I'm gung-ho on a guy when I love his profile. And I'm like, okay, this is someone I should like. Rogers, Frazier, Cronenworth. Um, there's a couple more guys that I have. I think Brad, I have a lot of Brad Miller and he's been great. And he's actually filled in pretty nicely in a couple of lamps, not lately, but right. when, um, 
when plugs in. I think yeah, so. yeah. So Mo- you know, sometimes ability. those. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So those plug and play guys, like if I mean if they're late enough, you they might not play regardless. So if you could get a guy and he's all in in your lineup, in your lineups or whatever, and you know, sometimes that works out. Uh was, but yeah, I, I definitely have Yuli. Yeah, Yuli. I missed me. out on yeah. Yuli. Yeah, I, I I missed out on Yuli. I that was the guy I went straight to every draft when it was like when I think I I had I had one spot where I would consider first base. Um, and like early on, that was either like, you know, like Rizzo Goldschmidt at a hundred ish, you know, land. And I got them in a couple drafts and then I went into a phase where I'm like, I'm just, you know, going to wait. And, um, it was just, every time it got late, it was either Santana or Yuli. And it just ended up being, I think I have Yuli in like 13 out of 18 leagues and on the NPC, I just went straight to him every time. We're just like, all right, you know, <laughs> I'm taking Yuli and everything else. But like you said, like if you're in and you and you um, especially like um, in terms of what like what what spot it is. So for like first base, I didn't like everybody else um, in between that, um, like Freeman and Yuli. And that's usually when I was going other ways. So I was always comfortable saying, OK, Yuli, like you come over, you know, <laughs> you're my first baseman. Come on down. Come, <laughs> yeah, on, come, down. On, come on down. So this is uh, but like you said, you know, it's, you know. I really believe in a guy later on. And I think him, Connor, and um, Brian Reynolds, I think, are my three most rostered players on FBC, like, for, for batters. Yeah. And, yeah, and that's just late, and it's just, uh, you know, consistency. Like, guys who play every day and have good hit tools, and they stay in the lineup, and they produce, you know. And, um, you know, it could be, obviously, you could get them wrong and be, you know, completely off. But, uh, you know, I'm happy that you, we um, – which is crazy. Uh, like, I think I showed you, I think I put a link into the, um, into our doc that showed like the, the Astros. Um, it's crazy. Like, it's just, it's just weird how they, like, they, they continuously um, are playing well. Right. I mean, the bats have just been like so wiped out this year. And it's like, <laughs> so did, did we get on them too much for um, quote unquote cheating? Because they came back with a vengeance, you know? <laughs> I mean, look at their team there. It's all top picks. Correa. Look at Bregman. I mean, Bregman's hurt now. He's a quad, I think, but yeah, I mean, that looked pretty Jordan bad. Jordan Alvarez, top, right. one of the top prospects. Uh, they, they have, they have studs and then Grinky, obviously Grinky's always been good. He's that's a former Cy Young winner. And then they've developed starting pitching. And I think it was harder, you know, they, they couldn't cheat with their starters or their pitchers, at least aside from like, you know, spider tack and whatnot, but everybody was cheating. So you can't really say it's their fault for that. But McCullers right, there's so is always... much gray area with that, right? Isn't there yeah. so much gray? That's the yeah, only thing I... that bothers me with this stuff. There's just so much gray, even with the steroid, yeah. it was like, I don't blame them for that. Like everyone was cheating or maybe they started, but everybody picked up on it eventually. So it's whatever, but they have great starters. You know, the Astros, obviously they did cheat. They cheated my Dodgers out of a world series. And that's, you know, you can't deny that that's, you know, it was proven, but at the end of the day, they have great players. You can't not say they have great players like Altuve, even in this weird season, he's a, he's mashing man. Like I can't, he had one of his best offensive seasons. So, you know, sometimes you can say, Hey, yeah, they cheated and there was attacks. I think last year they were obviously not as good as they were. Alvarez had his double knee surgery, but you know, look at him now. He's he's back to back to form essentially. He's hitting as well as he has. Um yeah, and good for him to stay, you know, he stayed healthy for the most part. And it's uh I'm I'm happy. I like I like when guys stay healthy and um especially Jordan. He's just such a sick bat, you know, it's just a big time talent right there. 
I just doubted his uh, health because obviously right. double knee surgeries. Oh yeah. That's why I, dra- I was like, if he was going past pick a hundred or something, I, I would have taken the chance, but he was going like top 100. I was like, I'm out. Right. But uh, yeah, right. That, that's kind of like the example of my injury, my, my risk averse nature. It's just, uh, he played two games last year. I know he's young, but if it was just one knee and it was just a cleanup, sure. But it was both knees. Anything could happen. Soreness in one knee. He's out for a month. He's out for two months. He needs to get cleaned up again. It's just one of those things where it's like those dominoes fall and you're just like, wow, you got caught holding the hot potato. Essentially. You don't want to be in that position. And you know, I obviously did not, I took probably worse players in his range anyway. So I would have been better off if he would have wasn't playing compared to the players I did get AKA Bundy. But what are you going to do? It's just, you know, everybody's strategy is different. Some things, it, it, you, as long as it works out more often than not, that's all that matters. And that's why, like, you've been successful. Obviously, you're a NFC league winner. It's like, you know, you have your process that works for you adjust as need be. But you know, it, it just, sometimes you got to stick to your guns, right? Right. Yeah. It's it just, and I just think it's important to just really keep evolving and keep learning, you know, because uh, there's those things that, um, you know, I, so like I, I never use like a, a projection based, you know, um, evaluation system for like draft season, you know, just looking at skills and metrics for, you know, for like batted ball skills and stuff like that um, and, and discipline. Um, and so, but this season, this, this off season, just getting to know a, a lot more people in the industry and seeing their process and seeing their ways and seeing what worked for them. It was just like, I wasn't like, okay, let me adapt this way. But I was like, hey, let me learn this way. Let me know what it's about, right? So um, I did like a, a dive into SGP and stand the game point and see, okay, like why do people like this? You know, um, I just tried to get myself familiar with what other people like just to see, like just to have that in my head, like, oh, okay. Like I see, I think it's important just to, like, even if you're not going to use it or you're not just going to totally, you know, uh, rehaul like how you, evaluate players but um i just think like it it could just make you better you know if you understand other other things you know um even if you're not going to use it um i just i think it helped me to like understand how other people were drafting too in my leagues and just um you know trying to trying to counter that um so but yeah i think it's important to keep learning you know um from from everybody you know there's 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 so many people you could really like get a good you know, understanding of uh, how to be successful um, in certain ways. And um, I think it's, I think it's good to try at least to step out of your comfort zone to um, not like, you know, just fully say, Oh, this is the way I'm going to do it. But no, like, how, why did this work for you? And like, really understand like why other people do it. So, I mean, uh, definitely. Uh, yeah. That's why I did I mean, this off season. Some of it is baked into ADP, especially on NFC, oh, like the projection right. systems are already there. So I, I don't worry about, you know, how others are drafting. I always just focus on my own, but uh, I, I'm, I'm, I try to ask questions to guys who do build projections like Steve Paulo. He has uh, stomper and he has a few others that are really helpful. And, you know, obviously there's Cardi and there's uh, the guy, there's the fan graphs uh, zips and whatnot. And, you know, familiarizing myself with, uh, I kind of met, uh, what is it? I don't use a cumulative projection. I just go by what they're saying, why they're saying it, these projections. I try to figure out what's being taken in and for who and how. So, you know, they're not always, uh, some projections are bullish, some are bearish. Most are kind of in between. So right, I right. try to find the in between and where I'm at and my, where my comfort zone is with a player. If I think there's room for improvement, if I've seen something that he's working on, if, um, if there's, um, 
you know, one indicator that suggests the needles pointing up on him or down. Um, I just take that into account with every guy and there's no perfect formula, but right. you know, it takes, like you mentioned months of kind of like looking this up and it's like, you do a lot of the work in season when you're actually watching these guys and going through doing your fantasy season for 2021, you're, pre- you're basically preparing yourself for 2022. Right. So this kind of like active involvement uh, it, it, it is the work essentially. And it makes the next season's prep easier because you already saw it and you already have been researching all of this data. Right. So I don't really need, sometimes I don't need the projection system. Like you can prorate too. It's like prorating, I think is underrated. Uh, not with short, smaller samples, but like when a player misses like 40 games, you can prorate be like, okay, he was on pace for this essentially. And it doesn't look like that on his stat sheet. But he could totally do this. That's in his range of outcomes, given that he just all he did was miss time. Like Mike Trout, Mike Trout could hit 50 home runs every year. He just misses time due to like a thumb injury or obviously has the lower leg issues now, which I think are going to which have been following him for like the last two years now. So unfortunately, Mike Trout, I don't want to say he's going to be bad, but he might continue to miss time. And it's not going to be a fluke anymore where it's something BS, but whatever it's part of seeing where the upside is by prorating and using those projection systems, seeing how many games, you know, how many games the projection system is showing is really important too, because if it's showing out of 110 games, you're like, this guy's going to play every day. Right. You can add on to those, uh, to those numbers, those home runs, those stolen bases, those strikeouts, those whatever. So um, you can use those projection systems. You can actively use them. And um, that's what I really like about it. So, you know, it's mixing and matching all of this and kind of creating your own process and formula. Exactly. Exactly what it is. Just like, you know, whatever you like and whatever you think it's going to be actionable, you, you know, try to merge it into one big, you know, thing. Uh, I think it's just important to understand what goes into production systems. And I think that's where people um, like tend to shun it without understanding. Like, yeah, like um, as long as you have an expectancy of what you what you're looking at and understanding what you're looking at and seeing and understand like, like okay, so Lucas Giolito was one of the guys like, you know, like that, that terrible year was still being weighted into the ejection system. You know, that's why a lot of uh, people were like really, you know, couldn't get past that because like, Oh, we're still, you know, it's still in that system, but it's, it's still, it's not him, you know, it's, he's gotten better than that. And that's something that, you know, obviously gets baked out like once I think it's like a three year weighted system, you know, average or whatever but um you know it's just important to understand what goes into it and you know i i spent a a, a good amount of dms bothering Derek hardy and uh it's, it's just cool <laughs> like you know i i just have like a, a, a and like even even if you don't use it to the max it's just like wow like when and it was like it was like one of the first guys that really reached out to like to like learn about that and when i first got in the industry it's like this guy with so many followers he must be busy out of his ass and he took the time to like respond in like lengthy messages and I was like holy shit this is fascinating you know like and I just learned like you know just learn what goes into it and kind of like appreciate like wow these these guys do some fucking awesome work you know it's like cool Mm -hmm. you know it's really you know I'm very uh I'm very appreciative of everyone who who has any skill like it's just like that that wows me it's like wow like you're doing a lot for the community you know and for baseball itself like that's really cool you know Absolutely. No, it's uh, their work is a hundred percent appreciated by me at least. And I'm sure most of the baseball community or fantasy baseball community, at least yeah. the baseball community hates nerds, but uh, down, when we get down to it, it's, it's uh, like immense work that I would never be able to, I cannot create a projection system to save my life. Yeah, I do no my way. own. Yeah, yeah. I do my own handwritten uh, NFL projections, but they're like my personal ones that I kind of go off of like, 
they're not perfect either. And I can never get them into one set of formulas or whatever. I can't, I don't know how to use like R or any sort of um, coding system and mm-hmm. Excel. I, don't, I hardly know how to use Excel. Like I have lied on so many job applications about being able to use Excel, but nevertheless, <laughs> it, it's got, it's gotten me to this point and I'm, I'm very grateful for everybody who like, I, uh, like leaderboards, like Alex Chamberlain's on fan graphs and all of that, like his, uh, uh, what's it called? Oh, the uh, pitch leaderboard. Yeah, yeah, the pitch leaderboards. Every yeah. everything he does is amazing. He, follow Alex Chamberlain on Twitter at Dolph Hodgkin. I don't even know how to pronounce it, but Dolph you'll figure Hogan, it out. Yeah, Dolph it's from, Hogan, Yeah, it's from Homestar Runner. I don't know if you remember that. That's that that's completely lost on me. Like when you mentioned Stratomatic too. Like I wasn't gonna say it, but I don't even know what that is. But then I looked it up. I'm like, oh, that's really cool. But I never played on that, <laughs> bro. Like how how old are you? I don't want me to be like I'm forty right now. You're 40? Get the fuck out of here. You look 35. You, <laughs> you, look, you. You, you, don't look, you don't look a day over 35, at least. Uh, I I'm, appreciate I'm, yeah, that. So, yeah, since I'm 27, I'm like a generation younger than you, essentially. So, um, yeah, that's kind of behind my <laughs> that's behind my time. <laughs> I know. What I said, I'm like, you probably not going to know what that is. Yeah, I, like, I, was like, I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Even, man, but... even like the original, so like my first venture into like um, ultimate team construction for video games was baseball stars for the original the original nintendo system and um that game i don't know if you have any knowledge of that game but it was awesome it was like it came it came loaded with like um eight teams um and one was like the baseball all-stars which was it had the names like hank and babe and uh rose and it was like all the major league all-stars and then there was like the ninja black socks and it was like all these you know like asian names and it was like uh and, and then it was a woman's team all women's team um it was pretty crazy but you can put in you can start your own team like you mentioned you know it's always like a fantasy draft but i was like oh start a team from scratch you know like be all me and my brothers and my friends names and this was like on the original nintendo like being able to do all this shit and i just remember it so clearly because it started like that foundation of like i want to build teams you know and you, you could put in a code and get like extra money to distribute for your players and you come out with like better players and you or you could just play you know and sometimes you just want to build like a sick team, you know, and and um and you just put in the code and go. Otherwise, you play from scratch, and every time you win a game, you get money, and with that money, you make each player better, you know. So I would have like myself and my friends and my brothers, like I would make a roster for everyone I know, and um, you know, that was just I still have that game. Dude. That's uh, that's real cool. Yeah, no, I like yeah. that. Yeah, it's just like the original thing, you know, and I just think back like, man, that was such a long time ago. And it was like you were able to do all this cool ass shit on, you know, on this simple game. And it was like I play it now and it's like really ridiculous. Like, you know, everything else it is like you have like <laughs> if you have a really slow fielder and there's a pop up. Right. And he can't get to it and, you know, he's not going to get to it. You can dive and <laughs> you can keep diving and you'll get there quicker. <laughs> it's like one of those games. <laughs> yep yeah it's fun i play it i put it on and my nephews who are like 15 and 16 who just play xbox all day they looked at me like are you fucking kidding me <laughs> old man yeah i cannot, like, be- I cannot believe you're 40 man that's good I mean, I- <laughs> thank you i appreciate that i appreciate yeah, that i like cool. your hair too i can see you can't see me but i can see you i love your hair it's getting like all curly and fun it's like mine when i get grown out this is new for me too i had a i had a i had a i had a bun for about five years you had a man bun? I had a man bun for about five years. Yeah. Jesus, man. 
Yeah, I had I had it long for a while. Like um, it was something personal and in my life that happened, and uh, I I was like, I'm not gonna in my hair, and uh, I didn't for a long time, and until it was like uh, uh, I was gonna cut it when this specific thing happened, and it never did, and I don't think it's going to happen. So I was like, all right, time to cut my hair, and I did it. It's like uh, two weeks, two weeks old of having this cut, it was, uh, it was pretty crazy. I was, uh, very attached to my hair for a little bit and cause my wife's a hair, a hair stylist. And, um, but she loves when I go to the barber and get cut. But when I first met her, I kept going to the barber. It's like, they, you know, she, she would tell me I can cut your hair, but like, I don't do like, you know, like tape ups or fades or like, you know, I don't really do men's like that, you know? So I'm like, all right. So, uh, and then, but there was a point where I'm like, babe, I'm not fucking spending $30 anymore. Just cut this thing, you know? <laughs> Yeah, it's <laughs> like I mean, that ends up, you know, and then so he's just doing that for a while. And then, like I said, I just let it grow out. And so this is this is the uh, this is the new curly curly me. Usually, like when I had this length hair prior, it was just uh, I used to just slick back, you know, like slick back Goomba Brooklyn look, you know. Oh, God. <laughs> and or or like the Paulie D blowout, you know, Jersey Shore style, you know. Were you big in that? I mean, that's your time. You were like 25 or not 25. You were like 27, 28. When my that time was at, that's my world though, Kev. Like I grew up in Brooklyn and Jersey. So like, yeah, I like those people. Like I don't know them personally, but I grew up with <laughs> you vibe. Yeah. I, I lived that life, Kev. Like you, I knew you are that. People. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I was did you that. go to the, did you grow up in the Jersey shore at all or what? No, I, I mean, I moved down to like, um, my family had um, like a, a cabin house in North Jersey, like by a ski resort, but we didn't come down to the Jersey Shore to like um, like 20 years ago. Um, so I got okay. I was late on to like the Jersey Shore um, no scene. I grew up yeah. in Brooklyn, so it was like Brooklyn, Manhattan. And then when I got out to Jersey, I was like, OK, this is cool. Um, but totally different scene. Um, but I got sick of it quick, you know, it gets, it gets old <laughs> quick, imagine. but yeah, no, I was totally like, you know, fist pump, like that, you know, I was that, I was that dude, like me and my friend. Were, were you a Guido? Were you, were you part 100%, of that? 100%, bro. I love it. I need that in my life. 100%, man. I, I, whatever, but you know, you peaked, you peaked. I'm sorry to tell you, man, it's, you can't. I'm done. Yeah. hundred percent, man. I, I, I peaked. Uh, that was a good, that was a good life. You know, it was uh, it was funny, but like, is it the thing is like, you could be that person, but then there's like, there's like the true meatballs, like the true meatheads where like they stay in that life and they just don't even know anything else. And they're stuck in this like um, materialistic world, you know, it was like, I was like, <laughs> I enjoyed being in that crowd, but I knew who I was, you know, I knew I wasn't that person. It was just like, go out and have fun and fist pump and then move on with your life <laughs> but you yeah. just didn't you didn't belong and you understood and i respect that <laughs> yeah okay. it was just like it's not for everybody so yeah it's just like i said there's people staying that life for a while it's like yeah now i'm good like it comes a point where um you know i'll stay home and i got to play nfbc of course but uh <laughs> <laughs> hey, what more can you ask out of life yeah i got other things to do i got other things to do damn it but uh, let, let's get into some player talk. I wanted to do like a little three up, three down. Maybe you can give me some thoughts on guys um, that you're kind of in on right now, kind of out on. Um, so, yeah, if you want to go first and throw out a guy that you uh, are in on right now. 
Oh, that's okay. Well, obviously, JP Crawford's been hitting the hell out of the ball recently. And uh, oh, I JP, I, I mean, yeah, I, he's another guy I was in on. I think I've, I have him in like half my leagues or so. And yes, yes, obviously, yes, Kev, me too. Yes, I love it. Yeah, he, former top prospect. He was a former first overall pick. And, you know, the Philly kind of gave up on him and traded him over to Seattle. And he's been kind of meandering. It's just been whatever for a few years. But if you looked at his uh, hitting profile recently, I mean, obviously, he had a down, down year last year, but he was still f- kind of confident. confident Competent, but his power was down. So he's shown decent power in the past. And I was like, well, if you could just get that back a little bit, and we're seeing it now, he has a few home runs under his name. Uh, he's about four this year. He had two last year, and that's in about the same amount of player appearances. So obviously, that's not much. But at the same time, you know, he offers a little bit of speed, a little bit of power, great batting average now. He's up to 280. And he, he bats at the top of the order. That was kind of the big thing in the preseason where was JP Crawford going to hit at the top or the bottom? He had at the bottom for, he had the top to start at the bottom a little bit. Now he's back at the top. The, the Mariners lineup isn't good. It's not good. Don't get me wrong, but it's good enough. Hanager's back. He was, uh, he missed a few games that sucked, but if he's good and healthy, that offense at the top, at least the first four bats, five, maybe Francis cooled down a lot. It's pretty decent. And I, I just like Crawford's profile, especially for like a Roto League. So he's someone I'm definitely in on available in 85% of Yahoo Leagues for anyone who's playing Yahoo. Wow. Really? That's a lot. Yeah, yeah I, I totally love JP. I, I totally agree with everything you said right there. I, I was hoping that he was going to start the year leading off. And I, I, I stayed I stayed nice and, uh, you know, optimistic. And I'm so glad he finally rose up to there and been it's been on a roll you know he's been on a complete roll um he's pretty much been like like you said the last couple weeks just been like seven forget it um yeah i'm i'm excited for him i'm i'm glad he's finally and you know and it's just one of those things right where i think it's one of those examples where where we you know like it reminds us that some guys just need a little bit longer right you know like he 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 came in the league and everyone expected it asap and now he's now he's delivering, you know, totally, totally love that profile though, that contact profile. I think, I think he, I think he can round this some power, but obviously that's not what we need him for. And um, hopefully yeah. he just gets some more chances, to, you know, more, um, more chances to steal, you know, just, just go, just take off JP, you know? Yeah. Six last year in less blade appearances. So the, the speed's there. I mean, his, uh, I mean, his sprint speed's not high. It's like slightly above average, but you know, hitting lead off, there's going to be the opportunities. He gets on base at a decent clip. Like he's at about, I want to say three fifty ish now. So, I mean, he totally could if he wanted to. And if I'm sure the, they have no reason, they have nothing to play for. You might as well just give them the green light. Right. I know. That's the thing he's had. So he's had, he's had 113 stolen base opportunities, which is, pretty high um in the league right now and he he's only attempted four you know so that's like a stone base rate of like a temp rate of like three and a half percent like that's like in the lower half of the league you know it's like uh, you know you got to boost that up uh like you mentioned he's not the quickest of guys but he definitely has he definitely got some legs to make that happen and hopefully he could uh and they're pretty aggressive team you know Mm -hmm. the mariners so hopefully he can you can take that lead and um, you know go. I'm I'm actually gonna throw out while while I'm bringing up. So I I just did a every now and then I like to look at um, like stolen base opportunity and how much they're attempting to steal just to kind of get a rate of like you know um, are they gonna keep up uh, um, like their attempt that they that, that they've showed in their past or if they're showing something different or like the team context and um, 
Ahmed Rosario, um, former Met, um, definitely been on a roll lately for the Indians. Um, and he's another guy. He's like at 7%, like stolen base of temporary. And he's just, uh, he's seven for seven. And I feel like as he's, uh, you know, starting to get hot and get more opportunities, I think, we, you know, he'll return to that, um, you know, that 15 stolen base, 20 stolen base uh, land that we thought he'd get. I don't think the power um, is going to be what we thought it would be, but um, I definitely like what he's doing here. Like his, his walk rate is the best of his career. His contact rate is the best. Um, so, and he's getting, you know, he's hitting the ball like as square as ever. So uh, this is something, you know, <laughs> I'm watching unfold and I'm like, man, I'm like, Ahmed looks good. You know, I, I always liked him watching the Mets and I was hoping that he would, you know, get off to a good stop with the, with the Indians. It hasn't happened right off the bat, but he's, he's getting hot now. And uh, I think he's, he's, he's definitely giving the Indians something um, that they were kind of uh, hoping for that would return, you know, and I think it's like, I think he had like an ADP of like, um, I don't know. It was pretty down there, right? In the 300s, I would say. I mean, somewhere 200, 200, yeah. 300 ish. Right? Yeah, 200, somewhere 300, there. depending on like what time, like what, what part of the off season, right? Because I think he went through like a good swing of like where he might land. So um, yeah, I think, you know, if you picked him up and, you know, you get some good batting average and some good steals, pretty much like J, you know, like JP, like a, a similar profile, you know? I mean, he's JP Crawford with more steals, basically. That's what yeah. he is. Uh, yeah. Crawford's a better hitter overall, but at the same time, you know, steals are more valuable than the what, like the two extra home runs he might hit or a couple of more doubles he might hit. I'd rather have those steals, of course. And I'm pissed. I, I had Rosario almost everywhere last year and he busted. He was on, like, he was improving every year since his uh, 2017, 2018, 2019. He improved, he improved, he improved. I was like, okay, 2020 breakout season. Like, this is right. going to be the Rosario year. Flat out busted on his face, worst year of his career. And then this year, now he's breaking out in Cleveland where I obviously there was Andres Jimenez and that was a roadblock, but he's beat him out. He's playing, he's playing almost there. He's playing every day, I think. And he's hitting really well. He's having his first plus offensive season, uh, JP Crawford as well. Plus first plus offensive season. So similar profiles. And I, I'm just, I'm frankly pissed because I wish this would happen last year and I didn't buy back in. I, I kind of had him, you know, how, how Victor Robles is this year. Victor Robles is actually picking up, but that's what Rosario was to me last year where he was in the 120 ish range where he was going. I was all in on Rosario and, you know, sometimes you got to stick to your guns. And yeah. last year, yeah. last year, I, I it kind of soured me off of him and, Maybe I should have bought into the change of scenery, but I didn't. And here I am now with uh, behind you in the standings. So. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, it's just one of those like um, it's one of those like brain biases, right? You know, it's just like that last sliver of, of, of Rosario that we remember in the 16 season wasn't good. And it just, well, that's all it takes, you know, and sometimes we just got to remind ourselves that. Um, like you said, like, uh, I think we mentioned, like the growth isn't always linear, like, you know, just, uh, uh, not everyone takes that, um, like that, like the Adam Jones, like Adam Jones got better every single, like he had, I think like his first eight years in the league, his, his, his like fantasy dollars went up like every year. It doesn't happen like that all the time, you know, it's just, uh, so, but Ahmed, you know, he's, uh, finding the groove again. I think that Indian offense is like kind of. Uh, and I, I know I get to like a target, you know, um, and it's kind of like weak right now, but they have like these, like these hitters that are showing like these, 
good numbers under the hood. It's just not happening on the field. You know, it's um, it's pretty odd. Like Cesar Hernandez is just having like his biggest power profile of his whole career, and he's smashing the ball, but um, just stop stealing. You know, <laughs> it's just strange. Um, strange the path of uh, but the Indians, the Indians. You know, um, I think they're, I think they're in trouble. I think uh, I think Beaver's going to be out for a little bit. I think Plesac's going to come break his other hand. <laughs> oh God. What a meat! No, ball. you're gonna you're gonna piss Dave off if you listen. That's to this. Dave's not listening. Yeah, Dave's lost. It's okay. <laughs> He's not listening. Who you got next? Let's let's move on to the next player. Who who else you want to bring up here? I was gonna bring up uh, someone else, but I'm looking at Bailey Ober, and this is someone I didn't know existed until like <laughs> a week yeah. ago. If you look at his numbers, he's like a, he's averaging more than a strike upper inning over his last four starts or whatever. He doesn't really go deep into games. He has uh, three starts with four innings and one start with five innings. And he's really, he's been really damn good. He's pitched against the White Sox and Astros. Obviously against the White Sox, he allowed four runs and four innings. Not great, but his whip's been good. I mean, well, he lowered it today. So today's been the anchor for lowering his whip, but great. Look at his like minor leagues. Like this dude apparently is... Uh, he's basically, I don't want to say he's their Shane Bieber, but he's like this guy who wasn't like a highly rated prospect, low, low walk rate, high strikeout rate. Uh, he, he literally, he strikeout rates from the ranging from 30 to 40 walk rates ranging from two to like three, three and a half. This dude's insane. I didn't, like, again, I didn't know he existed. He was like a 12th round pick in 2017 and he has just incredible command. He's literally, I, I, I don't want to say it, but he's 6'9", 260. What the hell? Yeah. Such a, <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at him now, but who is this guy? Bailey Ober's a pickup. A yeah. Great changeup, great command, and those are the kinds of guys you want. This is literally their beaver. Bad fastball. <laughs> I don't know if he turns into a first overall pick. I mean, first round pick, but if you're it's, looking for maybe the next big random starter, it could be Bailey Ober, O-B-E-R. Yeah, that's um, that's a nice call out right there. That's uh, it's 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 one of those like um, it's one of those guys that came up and I think uh, I mentioned him. I forgot who I mentioned him to, and they were like, "Wait, who who are you talking about?" I'm like, "I don't know. This guy he just came up and he started. He looks pretty good. <laughs> it's like Bradley Ober. Um, it's uh." Yeah, Bailey. Definitely. Yeah, Bailey. But Bailey, like, not people, Bradley. Like, but Bailey no, 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 I'm not Ober. correcting you. I'm just saying people might mess up his name. Like, right. this is a guy. Like, who is he? Who is Bailey Ober? But apparently, he's a dude. Yeah, probably got one. Like you said six nine two sixty uh, with a name like Bailey Ober. Pretty, pretty special. Pretty special. Oh man. Um. So did you scoop him up anywhere in in the leagues? Did you make a move on him? I mean. I mean, I can't get him in any of my DCs. That's too late. I'll, I'll right. put a bet. I'll put a bit on him in in uh, thing TGFBI. I'll probably. I mean, uh, my my Rotoballer league. I I I don't know who to drop. I have a good team, but like they're underperforming. But these are guys like you know. I can't drop uh freaking Jordan Montgomery or uh I, Dylan Bundy. I'm waiting for him to go on IL. But yeah, if nobody picks up Bailey Ober, I'm definitely gonna grab him. If someone if a roster spot opens up, he I'm interested. You don't. Um, how long do you give Bundy until you until you got him loose, or do a stash? If he doesn't go on IL, I'm gonna drop him. I think. Yeah. Done. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, they go back to LA. I think tomorrow or the next day. So uh, I probably the doctors are gonna look at his foot, and then whatever happens from there, we'll we'll see. Right. Uh, I probably won't start him. So we'll see what happens. Right. Right. Unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, I know. Duh. 
Definitely unfortunate. Um, let's see. I want to talk about uh, a little bit about my boy, um, Joey Votto. So Joey Votto, I know when he got hurt, I have him in, in both of my main events and um, have him in one of the fab league. And when he got hurt, my thing was like, all right, I'll give it a couple of weeks, see how it goes. But my intention was to hold on to him the whole time until he came back. And I did um, because I just like everything, like the, the power profile was just like sick. And um, first base and third base, just like corner, was just so, so dreadful. And I'm like, I'm going to hold on to Joey Votto. And I'm kind of glad I did. Um, you know, it just, I just love like I, I love the power profile, like 99 mile per hour on his fly balls, which is like one of the tops in the league. Um, just Max EVs, 113 and a half, just really changed his his approach. And uh, I love the guys who could drive it and put it in the air and his fly ball distance is up there. And uh, the offense is sick. And um, so it's one of those it was one of those things, too, where, like I said, it was, it's one of those moments where you're playing and you're like, should I try to maximize my roster completely or do I want to hold this guy's skill set um, until he comes back in? Um, I'm kind of glad I did. I know a, a lot of people who kind of didn't and uh, kind of regret it when he came back hitting, hitting pretty well. Um, but what's your thoughts on Joey Votto? I'm, I bought, I picked him up in TGFBI. I paid like, nice. so everybody was grabbing India. I grabbed Votto cause he was coming back from IL that week and 100%. he's been incredible. Like, look at literally since, uh, if you look at, I mean, April 3rd, he missed a lot of time, but since April 30, he has like four home runs. And that's in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 13 games. He has like four home runs, bunch yeah. of RBI. Oh my God. He's got like an RBI streak. I think he just finally broke it today or yesterday. And yeah, you like, you mentioned like the power is there. The power is not the issue. He's kind of selling out for it. And that's why his average is low. 100%. Uh, yeah. So that's the problem essentially, but his, it's not like his ground ball, the fly ball has changed at all um he's making hard he's always he's making the same amount of hard contact same amount of medium contact same amount of soft contact uh he's just pulling the ball he's pulling the shit out of the ball and that's he's obviously getting shifted on so with 50 percent of his balls being pulled rather than 35 percent has been throughout his career you know a lot of those balls are going to turn to outs so right. the sell out it works because he's getting the home runs and that's what we need in roto leagues but you're going to take a hit on average. His average isn't going to be probably higher than 240, maybe 250, but that's if he somehow gets hot. But I'm all in on Votto if I could get him in a league. Right, 100%. And one of the things um, I'm kind of impressed by is, like, uh, I always hear, you know, Saris talk about, like, how as, you know, players get older, um, they're, like, they're, they're like, oh, swing and they're, oh, contact. Like, outside of the zone, like, gets harder because, it's, you know, it takes more agility, and, you know, like, younger guys can get out there quicker and, and, and pull the ball better. And is uh, you know, that hasn't deteriorated yet, you know, to like the point where it usually does for guys his age. So it's pretty promising too, that he's still like nimble enough to move around the zone and uh, you know, tag some balls. So yeah, Joey Votto's my guy. Um, I hope, uh, you know, hope he continues this nice little hot stretch. Uh, like I said, like, it's like one of the leagues where um, I, I think that's the one league where I don't like have Yuli and Fab and I miss him in that league. <laughs> I mean, hey, Votto's, Votto's not a bad replacement. He's not a bad replacement right no, now. No, absolutely. Absolutely. So who else you got? Who was your last guy that you're in on right now? Oh, man. I, I had Paven Smith for a while as the guy I was in on, but he's kind mm. of pulled off. 
and that's really unfortunate because I really liked Paven Smith. There are a ton of guys. It's really hard to have one guy like, oh man, I want Jesus Sanchez to be really good, but I don't know how good he's going to be going from the minors to the majors. I love Jesus Sanchez. I love his profile. Um, great power. Uh, he hits high fastballs, which are what uh, pitchers throw. Or those are like the harder pitches to hit. And it's kind of where pitchers have been shifting to throwing those high fastballs and he could hit the shit out of them. That's his like specialty. But uh, yeah, I guess if you want to take a flyer on a prospect, I really like Jesus Sanchez. Everybody's been waiting on Brujan and Franco, but Sanchez is up. It looks like they're going to play a lot more of their young guys. They're going to be trading. The, Mar- the Marlins are going to be trading. So if, you, if you're looking for like a, uh, a possible power slash, uh, he'll give you like his 260 average, hopefully, if he hits. I mean, and like worst comes to risk, you just drop him. So yeah, Jesus Sanchez, he was like a top prospect right fielder he's kind of dropped in the ranking since his trade from the rays because if you're traded from the rays there's obviously something wrong with you but as we've seen with cronenworth <laughs> we've seen with solak we've seen with nate low uh we've seen with uh someone else i forgot but nevertheless yeah i like jesus sanchez a lot nice nice yeah i think um i think <clears throat> i know a lot of people too are thinking about jj bladey also um ahead of sanchez but i think you know they definitely gave him a shot and um let's, let's see what he could do with it um who do you think the marlins are gonna move you think they're gonna do like a oh. everybody uh I, I don't know fire sale i don't know if it's a fire sale fire sale but i'm pretty sure starling martin is gonna be that starling Marte is gonna be moved uh yeah Aguilar, uh, I have a feeling he might get moved. He has like one home run since getting signed with the Marlins or something in their home park or something. I forgot what the stat was. It was something crazy. But yeah, there's a chance Jesus Aguilar is moved. Uh, did they have Garrett Cooper? They could play at first base when he gets healthy. I mean, Luan Diaz actually. No, he's their first base of the future. So yeah. mm-hmm. they have they, they can just move so many of their guys. Duvall could get moved. Uh, they have Isan Diaz up now. And it's just like, you know, they could just go on a full-on tank mode with their young guys. And, you know, they have... They have MLB ready players. Brian Anderson should get healthy soon. Jose Devers just got hurt with a shoulder with a shoulder discomfort, but uh, they have dudes who could fill in and are MLB ready, and uh, dudes who are free agents like this year or next. Like Jesus Aguilar is twenty twenty three. Starling Marte is this year, this next off season. He's a free agent, and Duvall I think was a one year contract. So it's just a bunch of dudes that. Uh, oh, it's a mutual option. My bad. So yeah, they have a bunch of dudes they can move. So I like uh, Sanchez to stick basically. Duval, I wish. Uh, I I mean, I wish. I bet. You, I bet you the Braves wish they had Duval still because they're like their depth is just terrible. I you know in hindsight, look at the Braves and like if they would have just kept Melance and Duval, like they would be so much better than they are right now. Two spots where they're kind of struggling. Um, yeah, but well, who uh, could predict that whole Marcelo Zuna situation? That kind of came out of. I mean, it was his wife that actually hit him last year, and now he's the one. Obviously, he deserves whatever punishment he gets. It, it's just, uh, uh, I mean, you can't predict that kind of stuff. So no, no, not at all. Right? I yeah, mean, they no, can't. They had they had Pache coming up. They have Ender and TRT on the bench. They're like, oh well, we don't need Duvall now. They need Duvall, so yeah. maybe they trade back for him. But he's in the division, so who knows if the <laughs> Marlins? I mean, right? It That's sucks. A good point. Right, yeah. right. Um, you know what? I'll stay with the Braves and one guy that I I, I kind of like the like the route that he's taken in his career so far is Austin Riley. Um, mm-hmm. he was in a he was again like we're talking about like um, roster construction and approach to drafting and um, when I most of my third base 
approach was in the land where he was and Josh Donaldson and Justin Turner. Um, so most of my teams, I have some combination of those two. Like I waited until that, until that time to uh, get a third baseman. And then sometimes I would just double tap it and get like a third in the corner right there. But, um, you know, I think he came out with like the, with the profile that he was going to be a slugger. And then last year, um, you know, he took the approach of, uh, putting the bat on the ball a little more. And this year, kind of like merging the two of them. And I think we kind of see um, what he could possibly become in uh, in the future, which is, you know, uh, he could probably keep that, you know, that, uh, that 30 home run power. And, um, you know, right now I probably think he would, be on pace for like a 250-ish, 255 average. Um, I know he's batting 296 right now, but I think the profile says like he's getting a little lucky and there's, uh, it'll come down a little bit. But, um, I, you know, the the bat the bat X has him for the rest of the season for um, 18 homers and added to the 12 he has. Now, you know, you, you get that 30 home run um, power and, you know, it, 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 it shows in the, in the raw – in the raw numbers, like his fly ball distance and his max EV, um, just stuff like that, where you you see the power firsthand, like it's there. Um, and as long as he keeps this this consistent, I think he's got to get his contact rate up just a little more. But um, I just love the overall like like um, kind of improvement that he made to become the the hitter he is right now. Because I I kind of like was hoping it would be one or the other, like um, you know continue on that path to contact uh, and, uh, and don't lose too much power. But um, I like, I like where he is right now and um, I'm, I'm hoping he can stick with it. Absolutely. Uh, I missed out on Riley. Unfortunately, I did not pay attention to him just cause I, I don't know. Like I looked at his minor league. I was like, Oh, he just strikes out way too much. He's got to get lucky to get, and he's getting a little lucky. He shouldn't be a 296 hitter or whatever he is right now. Um, but uh, he's, He's hitting really well. He's got the power is there. I never doubted the power. We saw it in 2019 when he came up and he just went on an absolute tear, but he had a 35% strikeout rate. So it was just like, okay, well, this is going to end soon. And that, right. that's just, you know, that's the case of the things. But he came out, he made an adjustment last year, and then he readjusted to the adjustment. So, yeah, like, exactly. like you mentioned, you, 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 you stated it perfectly there. So I did not see it coming this quickly, but it, it's like Vlad. It's like these things just happen. Right. It's not, it's not incremental sometimes, it's instantaneous. And, right. you know, you, you can project it all you want. And now you have the rest of the season projections kind of like mirroring what he should be doing. And they're very good. 250 is probably where he should be closer to. Like that's where his X stats were last year. And that's where X, his X stats are this year. So right. Austin Riley is fairly legit. He's a good, he's a good power hitter. That's what right. he is. He's not, I don't think he's elite. I don't think he is what he's been. He, he, he obviously isn't what he was in 2019 either, but uh, well, he did regress plenty at the end, at the tail end, but there's a good hitter in Austin Riley. If his average stays above 280, I'm probably not buying in next year because his uh, price point will be too high in drafts. But I am interested at at the right cost for Riley because he's a good young hitter who could continue to improve. But uh, you, this is kind of the breakout. You're seeing the breakout right now, and I don't know how much better. I don't know if the strikeout rate's ever going to go below like 25. So uh, the the average is always going to be, and, right. and I mean there could be more power in that bat. He's only 24. Uh, yeah, 24 years old, right? Just turned 24. You could, yeah, there could be more power in that bat, but for now, um, if you have them, enjoy them. If you like, you know, smoke them if you got them with Riley. Yeah, <laughs> there's there's nothing else. Like, I, I wouldn't sell. I like, I mean, yeah, he's gonna he's gonna regress a little bit, 
in his average, but and even his power, but he's going to be a good contributing bat in the middle of a strong Braves order. And I actually do think the Braves make a trade soon enough. Uh, we were talking about Duval, but I think, you know, they could go out. Maybe uh, I think they should go out and get Ketel Marte. They should go out and get Starling Marte, or they should go out and get someone that can help them, uh, especially offensively, because uh, Abraham Almonte has been good, but they need more and they need, they need better. Right. Yeah. They need more. Definitely. Right. You if can't they're serious. Like, yeah. If they're serious about making a move into the playoffs, they need more than that because like they're, yeah. they're playing well and they're filling in well, but it's, you know, they need more for sure than that. And, and that's where like they wish to probably have that, that depth that Duvall brought. And obviously last year with different because they had the DH, you know, um, and it's, they just, they should still have the DH. Are you a DH guy or you like, you, you like the pitchers hitting? I'm big pro DH. I don't care. I never want to see a pitcher hit. Why would I want to watch a mediocre? I don't. I don't watch sports for mediocre athletes to do mediocre things. Like right, not that right. a pitcher is a mediocre athlete, but he's a mediocre hit. Like he's a mediocre right? 99.5% of pitchers are terrible hitters. Right. Like what? It's like Ota- it's Otani and sometimes Bumgarner and now Degrom and yeah. Woodruff yeah. that one year it happens just, like sure it happens I don't want to watch it it's like that's not why I'm sure a, a hitter that's going to be taking a line of spots not going to be incredible but at least he'll be competent you yeah. know major Even league baseball nine, we want more yeah. offense but hey you still gonna have it makes no sense so I'm very pro DH yeah cool yeah me too I'm a you know I've, I've been watching National League baseball all my life with the watching the Mets but yeah it's just it's it's necessary it's just and I I don't like the um you know the but it's so much more strategy involved it's actually not <laughs> you know they're just making it harder on themselves I'm seeing pitchers pinch hit because they have to because they don't want to waste uh right. waste either their bats or and it's it's like I've seen Wainwright hit way too many times already what i know right we've been seeing so many you know of the of the the position players pitching and just guys playing like that early in the season i know it was early but you know when when price hit the fly ball to musgrove and i was like what the fuck is happening you know what is happening why is musgrove in left (laughs) it's it just muddies the game for no reason right 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 they're trying to improve the the quality of playing but they're just you know let's put some shit batters up there that aren't going to do anything just Mm -hmm. it's 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 so bad it's it's tough to watch it's tough to watch for sure especially especially when they don't like what's the fun of them telling not the, not the swing or like, you know, like that's, that's what you do in little league when, you know, when it's a, when there's a terrible player up on your team, they go like, don't swing, man, just crouch, get on base, you know? Like it's Jesus. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I, I can't imagine it. It's just, it's frustrating, honestly, because then, it, you know, you see those intentional walks to get to that guy and you're like, well, my whip was just raised because they're <laughs> wasting it to get to this guy. I'm like, just pitch to that guy and then get to that. I mean, I've seen so much bad strategy as much as we've seen like quote unquote good strategy. It's right. It's and, 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 and that can skew so much of the metric that we look at. Right. Because yeah. a, a pitcher, like, yeah, you know, I could put this guy on there's two outs and the pitch is up next. So it's like, yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> you know, let's take out that Probably. walk. <laughs> Yeah, it's probably yeah. not major. It's probably not a face. Not like you know, uh, killing their whip or anything. But it just it's right in yeah. game. It's annoying. I don't yeah. want to see it. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. All right. So who who are you not liking right now? Who are some guys that you look at and you're like, eh, no, no, that I can live with. Uh, just guys I can live without. That <laughs> there's plenty. I mean, like eh. again, injury prone, uh, quote unquote. Again, injury prone players. They don't really exist, but they do. Uh, there's so many of them that it's hard to get into. Oh my God. I'm 
McCullers, obviously, he just came off. I'm not a big McCullers guy. You know, he had a fine start against Texas, but I, you know, if you have him in the league where you could trade him, I'd try to trade him. Um, man, it's tough right now in this league. Uh, you're looking at all these starting pitchers getting hurt. I, I, and like with the whole spider tack thing, or not, not just spider tack, but uh, I, just smarting pitchers as a whole, I'm scared of what's going to happen. Oh, it could be, so, it's going to be, it's going to be nuts. So, I, I mean, um, um, you know, I don't know. It's, I'm kind of like, you know, I'm kind of happy that a lot of my teams have a pitching cushion. Like I mentioned, like my TGFBI team with a hundred strikeouts. I have two other teams that I'm just like way ahead in strikeouts and 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 wins and um, ERA and WHIP. So I'm hoping like if any of my guys are are guys who are going to be affected, um, that at least have a little bit of a cushion where that could soften. And I don't know. Do you think it's like the you know that that whole thing where like you take if everyone took something they'd just be the same play like they'd be the same just better than they are like you know does it like uh what's the saying uh uh a rising tide lifts all boats like the like if everyone was using tacky stuff doesn't that just mean if they all just take it away like they all become equally worst or you know like uh, there's so many things in my head that are like you know what's gonna <laughs> how is this gonna play out but i guess we can uh, like in, in a non-trading league is not really much you could do you know um obviously well right if you i think the it, variance the variance is with yeah. the injuries right now that's what you're taking in because we saw with glass now and i don't know how true it is i like i'm not a doctor as much as you know my title says roto surgeon on my twitter i'm not a doctor <laughs> But uh, his explanation did make sense. He had to completely alter his grip to throw his uh, curveball, his fastball and whatnot. And, you know, I mean, try to just try to hold a ball and uh, try to squeeze it more than you naturally would or put your fingers deeper into the ball than you naturally would. You feel it in your forearm and from your for like where where do you hear about UCL injuries, forearm tightness. So uh, it it adds up to a certain extent. It obviously might not be a perfect science, but I'm. I'm very uh, sad that the, we could see stuff that we don't want to see happen with a bunch of starting pitchers or I doubt it with relief pitchers considering that they don't pitch too heavily into games, but you know, guys, again, throwing a hundred times per game, this kind of shit just happens out of nowhere. Right. So right. It, it's not so much the performance I worry about. It's the health. And as you know, if they stay healthy and like everybody's stats go down and you know, like you said, it, it's, um, uh, it's all on a level playing field and they all go down to the same level who cares. But if you're losing starters because of this and it, it shouldn't have happened, that really sucks. Yeah. It bothers me that they're going to um, not let the teams replace them. So if you have two guys that get caught or even one, like now you're down a pitcher and you can't replace this pitcher. Right. So it's like they're incriminated in the team. They're, they're really putting a, a lot of responsibility on the team to say, Hey, make sure your team is, you know, not doing this shit because now you're down a pitcher, right. You got, everyone else has got to expend themselves more. And like you said, that's going to lead to some injuries, you know, even more. And just, just a poor, poor choice, poor route that they took to, you know, address this, completely it's nothing that we like we weren't expecting baseball to handle it any you know any any good way but it's just so frustrating to see and you know i you could you know i don't know people have their opinion on what glass now said but it's a completely i just let so many people say there's no chance you know that this happened you know when you say when you're like so into the no chance like 
I don't know. I had a tweet about this too. Like so many people just think they're fantasy doctors. Like when Tatis got hurt, they were like, I can't believe he's come back. You know, ruin his career. Like, obviously, they just gave this dude 300 million. He must feel something good. He must feel good. Like he's going back, like he knows his body, right? You know, like I mean, the, I, I think we just saw athletes, that with DeGrom though. But we <laughs> yeah. just saw that with DeGrom where he knew his body, he came back and 100%. you know, sometimes. You know, okay, with Tatis, there's a substantive change. He changed his swing to follow through with both arms instead of wildly letting go with another. So, but that's not something true, that, though. Watch some swings from his rookie season when really? he goes opposite field, he swings with two hands. He's been doing that since the beginning of his career. It's not something completely new. Um, he's doing it way more okay. often, but he he he's he's had that swing in his repertoire. That's not a new swing for him. Okay, but still, he adjusted to add it more than he was before, and that's you know that is substantive. There's something he added. That's with how DeGrom, good he is too. Least, like he, he he's he amazing. No, no, no. Yeah, he's amazing, man. He's amazing. Uh, I doubted him. I, I thought I didn't think he'd be this good this early on. I thought like obviously the talent was there last year. I I wasn't buying in because I just thought the strikeout rate would catch up to him. I'd be like, oh, but no, it's every time he hits the ball, it's out of here. So right. You know, I'm a fool for I made a mistake. I, I was so wrong on Tatis, and I can admit that. Like, you know, I'm not afraid to admit, you know, where I'm wrong. Like, um, it happens. This kind of yep. shit happens. And Just, but uh, that, it's the first round. I'm like, okay, if I don't get Tatis or I'm going to get someone else who's really good. And that was my whole mindset. It's like, mm-hmm. I'm not really mit- wherever he was going first, second round. So it wasn't right. like, you know, uh, no skin off my bones there or whatever. But again, do, do you have any these- thoughts on uh, on Matt What's Chapman, that? Kev? Chapman. What's up? Matt Chapman. You have any thoughts on Matt Chapman? He's just a guy like everybody loves. And I just don't know what the infatuation is with this guy or what to expect of him because he just seems to me like uh, like just a corner outfielder with some power. And that's about it. And I don't even see like legit power anymore. Um, I don't know. I I just seem like his hip hip might be really still bothering him because this – you know, like the pull rates down and like the zone contact is like really, you know, down um, a lot. And, but here's the thing though, like it's, it was down last year, like his zone contact went down 9% last year and then he had his hip injury and then it's still down. So I don't know if he was hurt the whole year last year, but Mm -hmm. I don't know. He just seems like a guy that I don't know. I stayed away from him. Um, I've I've never really focused in on Matt Chapman to draft. I just feel like he's just another corner guy like that has some power that you can kind of find anywhere. But I don't know. I, I feel like people love him and I just don't see it. I don't know. Maybe I'm missing something. Okay, I'm again. You mentioned it—the hip injury. It, it's very possible he had it nagging throughout the year, and then he got it corrected at the end of the year. And you know, hip hip surgery is really serious. Corey Seager had that, I believe, after he had the Tommy John. So, you know that that compounded to him having a mediocre season, and then he had an MVP style season. So, I'm going to give Matt Chapman the benefit of the doubt. Like I mentioned, I give two years for injury. Last year he suffered it, and then he got the surgery. This year he's dealing with the repercussions of that surgery. I'm going to buy in next year when he's dirt cheap. You feel yeah. me? He, he was going top two. Well, he was going top 120. Way too expensive. I wasn't buying match. I have no Matt Chapman anywhere. I, yeah. uh, the profile, not great. He's probably a 250 hitter with power, but there's a legit power that he hit 36 home runs in 2019. Maybe that was bouncy ball, but 22% K rate, 11% walk rate. Good profile. Um, he's had a 20, uh, 280 average. That was in 2018. That was with the power too. So I think he could take a step back to where he was. From obviously, I don't think he's a two. I don't think he's a thirty percent K rate guy. I don't think he he is who he's been this year. He's probably a high twenties. He's probably closer to that as a true hitter, 
And even with that, I'll buy in next year. But yeah, no, this year zero percent. You could, I, I think, I have tweets. I'm like, he suffered a hip surgery. He, he had he suffered a hip injury last year, hip surgery in the off season. You don't want that this year. You want it the year after. So um, yeah, no, I think you were completely right to avoid him. But I, I think you should be a little open to uh, buying in at the right price because the, if it's if it's past pick two hundred, that that forty home run power is legit. But here's the thing: like, so in in twenty nineteen, in July of twenty nineteen, his zone contact that ninety three percent, right? Now it's at sixty eight, right? It mm-hmm. it it hasn't been above eighty since the end of twenty nineteen. So this has been going on uh, unless he was hurt in twenty nineteen also, you know, because it's it's been a constant drop and and I don't know. I'm just worried like I don't know. If he can get beaten his own, it's just, you know, uh, I feel like those those strikeout numbers that were once pretty are gonna rise because uh if he can't hit the zone, they're gonna make him chase. You know, I feel like I don't know. It's just uh I don't know. I know he probably still lingering hurt, but I feel like if you're in a league where you could trade him, I don't feel like uh, he's going to come back anytime soon. Cause I don't think he can get better by playing every day, you know, like health wise. But I mean, look at his outside swing percentage. He hasn't increased his chase percentage. He's not chasing more. He's not chasing anymore. He's filling in the same amount since his rookie year. Basically it's like 25 to 26%. Yes. The zone contact is down, but it went down last year. He was 83% in 2019 as a whole. Yes. He had that one year with 90%. I mean, one month with 90% or 93, as you mentioned, but look at it. It's last year it started and then it continued to this year. And you know, that's a change that can happen in a, like just over an off season, getting healthier, doing some band work, whatever he does with his hip. Whatever it takes, I'm sure he will do. And I'm sure the team will notice that. And hey, is he getting close to a contract year? Or no, he's a free agent in 2024. My bad. But he's he's in arbitration now. And I'm sure he wants to get his money. I'm sure he's going to try to get as healthy as possible. Uh, it, it's just one of those things where you have to kind of buy into he's going to get healthier. He already He's lowered his strikeout rate from last year. He's uh, upped his walk rate. Uh, it's just the power is down. And that's natural post-surgery. So. Yeah. You just kind of have to buy into this being a down year post-surgery and then just realizing, hey, all of this can kind of change it over an offseason. Maybe they shut him down early. Who knows? Yeah. You know, that guy, I'm, I'm just going to stay away from him probably. Yeah. His defense is down too. Look at his defensive statistics. Those are down as well. So yeah, it, everything's, it, it's the injury impacting him and then the surgery impacting post that. So yeah, right. if you feel like, I mean, if you avoid him and he's a, still a top 200 batter, yeah, that's totally fine. I, I'm top 200 player. I understand. But at a certain price, I, you kind of have to buy in. It's kind of crazy not to. Like if he's going 250 to 300, I'm going to be all over him. Yeah, I don't think he's going to go that late. But okay. because 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 everyone lo- like you know he's Matt Chapman everyone loves Matt Chapman yeah. you know he's got that he's got that name bias you know everyone likes him yeah no no totally fair if that's the case I won't buy in but if he's yeah. up there at the right price I'm in yeah hundred percent hundred percent yeah he was just one of the guys that caught my eye. I think I was just one of the like I look at some profiles and I'm like you know what is this guy really like you know what is <laughs> what is he becoming and what one other thing that caught my eye that Eric Cosmo is totally back to his non fly ball ways mm-hmm. non loft ways you know he's still hitting the ball hard but he's just you know he's not lit- he, he had that little stretch last year the first thirty games where he lifted it and then it's just back to old Eric Cosmo you know. Yeah, but, I mean, uh, it, it, his power is at a career low right now. I mean, up till this month, I'm sure it'll 
I'm sure it'll go up as uh, summer comes and it gets hotter in San Diego and LA and whatnot. But yeah, those, those ground bar balls are way back. Yeah. Uh, I don't, he's not dealing with an injury. If I recall correctly, I think he's healthy. Yeah. He but, seems uh, to be the most part pretty healthy. He's also I mean, he's sat put, like more games than I, you know, like thought, like not completely, like he just hadn't thought he'd gotten into some like more games, but there's like a couple games where, uh, like he didn't, didn't think he would be stat, but he was. But uh, you know, it's just San Diego moving guys around and getting everyone some burn. But um, yeah, uh, I feel like um, if you're expecting, you know, again, if you're like in a league and you're in a trading league, if you if you drafted Hosmer for that power uptake, you know, it might be time to reassess what he's going to bring to the table. You know, obviously, if you need some power and you have Hosmer, you know, try to maybe dish off his um his his you know his hit tool for some power for sure. I mean, if you look at his stat, his stat cast is actually favorable. He has his X batting average is 280. His X slug is uh, like 60 points higher. So at least there's some hope, but it's still not what he was last year. Last year was really good. And it was uh, mirroring what he had done in the past, but that's not what you're getting. If you could just get competent, I'm sure people would take competent in their lineups right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just right, exactly, hundred percent. Just get, just reassess what and, you know. I think people might have baked in some extra some extra power for him coming into the season, but of course, yeah, you know, he plays and he's not terrible, so he won't hurt your team too much, for sure. Yeah, Anybody else I, you want to throw I, out there? Anyone <laughs> else that caught your eye? Is this guy being a bag oh, of yeah. shit? Oh no. <laughs> just by being a bag of shit. That's, I mean, Paul Goldschmidt's been terrible. Let's talk about it. Paul I, haven't really, I haven't really took a gander at Paul Goldschmidt. Let me bring him up. Yeah, he's, he has not been good. I, I mean, okay. Uh, what's it called? Stackcast likes him, but Goldie's been pretty miserable, honestly. Uh, if you look at it, he's like batting like 250. His power is really down. He has like a 40, four, uh, 410 slug. Yeah, 416. Sorry. Uh, mm. Strikeouts are up from last year. Walks are career low. Um, where this he's having his worst hitting season, but he's stealing. That's the craziest thing. He has five steals. That's like he's on pace to have the most he's had since 2017. So there's at least some offset. Yeah, but yeah. Th- this is one of his worst hitting seasons. Uh, obviously, again, uh, Stackhouse likes him, but even so, it, it he's gonna look like more like 2019 Goldie without the power, without as much power than uh, last year, where he was at least hitting 300. But, Biggest uh, pop up percentage too his career, so definitely something a little wonky there. You're right. Yes, yeah. definitely been his uh, you know those those fucking steals though. They always save the rotisserie value with the steals. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. No, he's Crazy. definitely uh, there's something. At least there's some form of value derived from Goldschmidt, but uh, this is not his uh, shining moment. Let's say he should be better. I, I he will be better. No one's saying he won't, but. Uh, this is not what people bought in for. I assume, even though his price wasn't that expensive, uh, if he keeps stealing, I'm sure he can recoup a good amount of value. But I, I'm just not a fan of the bat going forward, especially in that park. That's why I didn't like Arenado, but he's worked out just because he's more in his prime. So, right, um, yeah, when like four years stuff. younger, right? Yeah, yeah, something like that. Right, right, absolutely. Cool, man. All right, look, let's do this real quick before we end the show. Let's do a little quick other sports. Let's. Just um, tell me about who your favorite players have been in, in football, basketball, and baseball. Some guys, you know, that um, in each sport, just one, maybe one guy in each sport that you really like kind of looked up to in your whole life or right now, either one, you know? I mean, I grew up uh, a big USC fan. Like I went to USC, my, oh, cool. uh, you know, tro- nice. Trojans, I'm a, that's my alma mater. So Reggie Bush was a big one growing up. Reggie. Yeah, yeah he was the GOAT. I thought he should have got number one overall over Mario Williams. And I think it was 2016, but whatever that is what it is. Um, 
Reggie Bush in 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 the span that he was, Reggie Bush was one of the most beautiful spans of athletes I've ever seen. I told totally the most I was at those games. I was at one of some of I mean I had season tickets that one that his 20, 2005 Heisman season. So um I saw it in all its glory. That it, that got me into I mean, that got me more into football, I want to say. And it just really sparked my drive. And then uh, NFL-wise, LaDainian Tomlinson. I-, I loved running backs. Like, it just obviously, you know, electric position. They're devalued now, but I, that's what I grew up loving. And it- it's just been such a fun, like, there was such a fun era with, like, him, with, like, Priest Holmes, with um, uh, with Jamal Lewis. Like, those early 2000s running backs. I played with all of them on Madden. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I, Reggie Bush, he was like Reggie Bush in my Madden seasons. He was like a 99. I just do like a uh, running uh, halfback stretch outside and he was gone yeah. for 80 yards. <laughs> so it's like, I, uh, he was like a cheat code. So yeah, definitely uh, Reggie, Ladanian Tomlinson and probably like, uh, uh, man, there's another, Ooh, there, there are some tough ones early on in those seasons. I stopped playing for a while, but uh, um... Oh, Ray Lewis. Okay, well, let's go linebacker. I love playing as Ray Lewis in like Madden. That was fun. I, I loved watching Ray Lewis. Obviously, he's not might not be the best guy off the field, but on the field, I loved watching Ray Lewis doing his little dance after uh, after like you know tackles for loss and all of the sacks and yeah, so, yeah. Those <laughs> those three probably got me into football like in a big way growing up. Interesting. That's cool. I like that. Yeah, Reggie. Yeah, like I said, Reggie he was awesome, man. I went to man. I went to North. I went to Notre Dame. Um, I wonder if he's on that team. I'm trying to remember. I don't think he was. I went to Notre Dame. I'm trying to. I'm. I'm looking right now because the, that that was a time in my life that was a little bit hazy. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> who can who can blame you? Oh, we God. all we all got that, amigo. Uh, let's see who was on this team. It was in 2002. That was the game. Um, it was so I went to I went to I went all the way to Notre Dame and of course um, I worked at a gym at the time it was 2002 and my buddy um, got tickets from a Notre Dame alumni that worked at our worked out at our gym and he gave us two tickets to go down and check out a game and we're like oh cool it's so great so in the beginning of the year he gives the he gives the envelope to my friend and. He, he pulls it out and he goes, ah, oh, fuck. He goes, it's Rutgers. I'm like, fuck, man. We live in Jersey. We're driving all the way. <laughs> We're driving all the way to Notre Dame Ruckers? to watch Rutgers. I'm like, this sucks, you know, but whatever. It was a, it was a great experience. Um, just that, that um, Notre Dame was, was amazing. Just like that bowl that's just like one level of stands. Bro, it's just, you know, it's something cool that you walk out into and you're like, wow, this is pretty wild. But um. Yeah. yeah, but I think the game yeah. the game before that was USC, and we were just like, man, we, we missed that game by just a little bit, but that would have been my time to see USC. Uh, but yeah. USC was awesome, bro. USC football was just – what a stretch, you know. They they were, just, they were just great to watch. It was so much fun with Liner and um, – who was it? Mike Williams, right? Mike Williams. I mean, yeah, that was early. I think that was Carson Palmer. But Palmer was there before. That was like around the yeah, era you were talking right, about, 2002. Right. But uh, there was it was just such a stretch of elite performance and like you know national championships, Rose Bowls, this and that. And it, I, that's literally like I was uh, between. I think I was like nine when they beat the Sooners for the Orange Bowl, and or yeah, and then I was like ten for when they lost to um, 
10 or 11 when they lost to Vince Young in Texas. And that was unfortunate, but just that entire stretch, it, it really got me into football in a big way. I could just being there, feeling the electricity in a stadium. It, it's so it, it, it's unprecedented when you're there and it's just like a hundred thousand college fans are screaming and, I love like I dude like I've been trying to like I've just been saying the whole time I just love sports so much and like you know yeah. even from home even from home I can feel it sometimes like I'm watching the Jazz play the Clippers I'm hearing the stadium rumbling and obviously you know hopefully COVID's gone for good soon enough you know it doesn't seem like that it doesn't feel like that sometimes but just that that energy you miss it. It, it it's you feel alive when you're in it and it's it's 100%. it's contagious it's fun it's and i want to go to a i mean i went to a dodgers game i think it was last week and it was fun but it was like limited capacity and you know we came like an inning too late and they like they molly whopped them in the first so yeah. you know I, I i'm definitely looking forward to going to more games going forward i'm i'm double vaxxed so i'm really hyped to uh to get everything going and get back into like normal-ish life because you know it's, it's boring at home man and, you know you know it's boring it's again <laughs> this isn't life yeah yeah uh yeah man you know it's definitely it's definitely good to hear it when you're watching the games and um you know seeing seeing the crowd go nuts again and then we took that for granted last year and i think the players you know um they definitely missed it feeding off the crowd you know it definitely plays such a huge part when you're competing and you know you have this your home team behind you like even even the heckling you know like uh there was yeah. a couple of guys who like said like oh it just felt good they had heckled again like you know <laughs> it's like yeah, they missed that too so it's like a whole experience your whole life you're playing in front of so many people you know and then it Absolutely. just goes away yeah but that's like the thing too did you ever consider it affecting the game at all with like not just fantasy but just like do you think it affected players do you think it affected uh pitchers Absolutely. Do you think it's, it's, yeah so it's like probably, it's like we Right. There's, there's probably guys who have anxiety in front of crowds and they maybe excelled last year, you know, who, yeah. who knows? Completely you know? Possible. Yeah. <laughs> right. Completely possible. Yeah, man. The human element that we don't know, it, it's such yeah. a big variable. Like that's something you can't put into a rejection system. That's something you can't look at, you know, get by looking at zone contact. Like it's just, it that thing, that, that mental part, like we'll never get. And yeah, I think, I think it's a, I think it affected a lot of people. Um, yeah, especially it's unquantifiable. Guys who get, right. And then, because then you got guys who like, who need crowds to get amped up. And then you get a guy like, you know, Jazz Chisholm or something that, 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 that doesn't need it. Like they don't need, a, you know, anything to get themselves amped up. You know, they're just naturally like that. So for a lot of guys who didn't have that, you know, they're probably, they, yeah, they definitely suffered from that for sure. I think. Yeah, definitely. And it's hard to tell. It's hard to tell who did and who didn't. That's the thing. And that's where this season, you know, I don't blame anyone if they have a rough season this year. It's, you know, there are some L's to take. Yeah. And you don't, you can't blame yourself because you're like, well, I didn't see that coming where, you know, they had a great season. Maybe that's why Maeda was so good last year relative to this year. Maybe he was not, I mean, he was affected by not having crowds because he was more confident in himself or something. I don't know. Like just a random example, just you know, these outlier seasons could be explained by that, obviously with the short sample as well. And it, anyone could have a hot stretch over two months, but you know, we're learning now we're kind of getting more information and that's the biggest thing, just having as much information as possible. And it's hard to do in a two month season. So right, definitely. See, and honestly, look at it now. We're basically as far as we would have been in a full season last year. Right. We, right. Still, got, we still got like 60% of the way to go. It's wild, right? It's Oh man, I can't believe that happened last year. Like it's like we take we take it for granted, you know. We take it for granted what like losing sports and you know we love it and we want it to be 
immersed with it as much as we can. And um, yeah, it's really, it's really cool. But like I said, to see the crowd back into it, like, you know, last night just watching Brooklyn was just like, man, I wish I was there. Like, yeah. the, just the way like they, they stormed back into the game, the way Durant was just locked in, you know, it's like, I'm so happy, you know, I, I like that. It's just part of me thought I would never see that part of Kevin Durant again, you know, like, you know, when you, when a guy gets an injury like he did and it's like, oh man, are we going to lose that greatness? Are we going to lose that KD, you know, like, and it was so good to see it last night and played 48 minutes, just, just, just wild. Like, you know, put up a stat line never before seen in the playoffs. So there's so many things. It was like, and then when he come down and he passed the ball, I'm like, just fucking shoot it, dude. <laughs> just, just shoot it. You can't. Are you a Nets fan, by the way? I'm an F fan. Yeah. Yep. Oh wow! I didn't. You might be the first Net fan I've ever met, but that's really cool. No offense. <laughs> yeah, I, I, just, I just don't encounter many Nets fans from LA. I guess. <laughs> yeah, I grew up like I said. I grew up in New York, but um, my brother Frank, um, who played basketball in high school, um, he got me like really into basketball, and he was um, such an anti Nick fan. He just didn't like the Knicks um, at all, and I grew up not liking the Knicks like he did, you know, and then. Um, as I was really like, when I really got into basketball, like the most um, in my life, I think was probably around the time I was 20 and 21. I was, like I said, I was working at a gym and uh, it was the first time I was living on my own. And um, I remember like going home. Um, I used to get out at 10 o'clock, used to race home. My friends used to come by the place and we would watch like Kobe, you know, Shaq versus the Kings. Um, that whole time with the, you know, with C Weber, oh man, it was just great. And yeah, it was just, um, you know, I was living in Jersey at the time. I just moved out to Jersey full time and yeah, it's just like totally like J kid and the Nets, you know, it just like took me over, like just following that team and, uh, it was great. Um, so that's the time I got into base, uh, basketball, like, like I was always super into it, but that's when I, I think I was like starting to understand, you know, everything about basketball and was watching it the most. Um, and yeah, that's when I really started getting with the net. And then uh, of course, when they moved to Brooklyn, I was like, yep, it's official now. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, I, I grew up a Lakers fan cause I'm, you know, LA and it's just like really easy and they were good when I was growing up. So it was just like an easy match. I was like, Hey, why not? So obviously Kobe, Shaq, all the boys growing up were really my idols, but I loved like Vince Carter and Tracy McGrady. Uh, Peja Stojakovic, I just loved his shot. Oh, Peja, so, yeah, love that form. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his form was incredible. So I always tried to mimic him. I never got to it. So, but whatever. <laughs> it's just that's why I grew up like idolizing, loving, and then you know everything just kind of like basketball's gone, gone so much better. I'm just a fan of good players, good to great players. It's like Steph. Too, I love man. Giannis. Right. Love love Giannis. I love Jokic. I love Embiid. Like I love all of them. Like they're just so good and so fun to watch. And I. I don't, you know, I still root for the Lakers, obviously. I'm still root for LeBron and AD, but I, I just want to see the greatness succeed. I just want to see a good game. I just want to see a good, great performance. Sorry. I, I, I like, you know, these, the best thing about sports are these incredible human feats that are uh, just uncomparable to anything else. And you, you know, you cannot do that. I know I can't throw a fastball 95 miles an hour or 100 or whatever. I know I can't dunk. I know I can't you know, catch a touchdown pass or throw a touchdown 40, 50 yards, but I'm watching these other guys do it. And it, it amazes me time in and time out. And I, I just love 
you know, again, I, I just love this shit and yeah. I love the fact that I could have a hand in it. That's right. just, that just what it goes into it or uh, not a hand in what actually happens, but a hand in feeling like I have some control. Right. Absolutely. And yeah, you make a great point, like, of you know, what sport brings to us and like the, the individual feats and the team feats. And like, I'm like, there's, there's a point where I just started like really just being, uh, watching baseball, uh, watching all sports, like just completely unbiased to things. Like, you know, I just like, I made a switch. Like I, I like, uh, you know, I'm a Met fan and I'm a net fan, but outside of like those two teams, like really just like pretty much loose, like you said, rooting for like, you know, like good players, good games and stuff like that. And when I started watching sports like that, it just, cause I feel like there's so much hate, you know, like when people watch like, oh, I hate LeBron or I hate Tom Brady. It's like, so you're just going to go by your life being miserable and not fucking understanding greatness, you know, and not appreciating yeah. it. I hate that. Like, I just, that bothers me. Like I'm, I'm not a Yankee fan, but I, I adore what, J- what Derek Jeter was able to accomplish and you know like it's just I just love good feats like you said good feats like I think it's great that Tom Brady you know is just retarded like you know with his <laughs> with everything and the Patriots had that run like I like stuff like I like greatness like when when people and teams excel like that and there's like that 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 top where people shoot for to be, you know, like we need to beat this person or this team. Like, I don't know. I'm a fan of that. You know, I never, I never like, tr- I try to stay away from the, I hate this guy or this guy, yeah. you know, like I don't like him. You know, I think that's just too, I don't, there's no way to enjoy like, yeah, you know, you can like, you get into some banter for sure. You know, when, you yeah. know, when the Mets are playing the Yankees or when the Mets are playing the Braves and I have, you know, friends who are fans of those teams and we, you know, like friendly banter, but it's never like, you know, I hope Atlanta fucking blows up, you know, that team bus blows up. Like I've had oh. people say that to me and I'm like, what are you talking about, bro? What are you really saying? Oh, people are just like, you know, like let go of that heat. Like, and LeBron's the guy that gets it too. Like, it's like, I get like people don't like certain things of him, but just appreciate that it's just a it's just a run of excellence that you'll never really see much in your life <laughs> you know like I, I mean you mentioned the banter i like uh you know i like shitting on things it's kind of my thing i guess um it's fun uh, <laughs> I, I do it as a bit you know like i'm if i'm shitting on tom brady of course like tom brady has six rings he doesn't care about me obviously so <laughs> right, like, right 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 like, if i'm shitting on him to a, a mega fa- i don't like mega fans i don't like um <laughs> You troll. I mean, I'm a troll. Sorry. I don't like haters, but I like being in that in between where I'm just like, I play both sides and I'd like to have fun with these things. It doesn't matter. It's like, you know, like I'll make fun of Michael Jordan. Of course, Michael Jordan's like arguably the best basketball of all time. It's him or LeBron. I like to say LeBron because I like to piss off Michael Jordan fans. And I like pissing off old people. So, but I, it just like, you know, of course, Michael Jordan's great. It's not like I'm saying he's bad. I'm not saying he's anything worse than the, if I say LeBron's the best, I'm not saying Michael Jordan's not good. I'm just saying he's probably the second best. So Right. You know, but it doesn't matter. My, my thing is just like, you know, I'll take a side and I'll run with it and I'll make, I'll piss people off. Cause I like to push people's buttons, but you know, I know Tom Brady's <laughs> great. I know Michael Jordan's great. Right. I know these guys are great. Like, you know, I, I'm having some fun with it. And like, that's the banter you mentioned. And like, you know, sometimes online it gets to like to hardcore trolling and uh, who cares? It's like, you know, I'm not making fun of your family. I'm making fun of fucking Tom Brady. Who cares? <laughs> yeah. No, hundred percent. But yes, but I it's, know, it's like, I don't hate people, him. I don't. Yeah. Right. I think just like, people take it to the level where they just don't 
end up enjoying sports. You know, I'm trying to say yeah. where it's yeah, exactly. directed to the point where it's just like, I hate, you know, like they can't, they're like, why are you watching it? You know, like, again, yeah. like you, like, like you mentioned, like a lot of the older folks, they don't get a lot of the new sports. Of course, it's just natural, like things change. And, you know, sometimes people don't change with it. And, you know, like I have people who are like, oh, I don't watch basketball because, you know, I liked it when, uh, when the Knits and the Pistons, you know, were just throw elbows. I'm like, oh, yeah, you like that? They're like, yeah, I love that. I like, then fucking watch UFC. <laughs> and that's what I'll just say. I mean, like, it's, it's, it's not that sport anymore. So get over it. It's no. not, it's, it's not UFC in the lane. They actually, you know, are trying to protect themselves from getting smashed with elbows in the mouth <laughs> on purpose. I mean, I like seeing, I like seeing a scuffle here and there. Don't get me wrong. Well, right. but yeah, Physicality is one thing. Yeah. If people think it doesn't belong, like I sat in that game um, courtside. And let me tell you, bro, those guys are physical. <laughs> like you don't really yeah. know until you hear it and see it like in, in, in action. You're like, wow, these guys, you know, they're big, they're fast and they're strong and they run into each other and they bump each other a ton. If they think the physicality is gone, they're just not really paying attention. You just, it's just a different game. It's faster and it's, it moves quicker. So you don't see it, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I'm not like, but I'm just saying like the, like the fights, like actually, like I don't, you know, I don't want to see anybody's like jaw broken anytime soon, but I like seeing like some pushing content. I like seeing like guys in the other's faces and, you know, like acting up. But, you know, obviously I don't want to see anyone hurt, hurt because of it. Just uh, did you watch that video of the Phoenix Suns fan and the Denver Denver Nuggets fan just getting into it? I did not know. Oh, you missed. I'll send it to you on Twitter. It's hilarious. Okay. And they're yeah. fans, but like, dude, this guy got mashed. But nevertheless, that's, that doesn't belong. <laughs> on, that that that's off court stuff. That's not on court stuff. So listen, yeah, I went to me. I went to school with our test, so he's my boy for. Oh and, no shit. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did. I was actually um, in in one of his classes um, that he came to twice in like fifteen classes, but it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he 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 was cool. He, he was very. Uh, very approachable guy. Um, everyone loved him. You know, that was what I remember of him. Like everyone loves him. He made like everyone laugh and smile. You know, he would joke around with the professors and everyone would like love it. He was just good. It was like, it, it, you know, like he definitely had demons, you know, that he admitted that he had in, in his brain. And um, I never like seeing it um, happen on the court and, and, and other things like, whoa, because uh Obviously, he he was tenacious on the court, but like when I talked to him, he was just sweet as everything. Like you know, I would, I would mess around with him and tell him like he wasn't gonna he wasn't gonna make the NBA because he couldn't hit free throws, and he would be like, "What? You crazy?" You know, like he would just like laugh at me. He's like, "You crazy?" I'm like, "All right," <laughs> but uh, yeah, hey, that's met- that's a better world peace, baby. What Malice at the that? palace, you know, that was sick. That too, yeah. I mean, I mean, hard to, I mean, yeah, that's definitely a great story to have. I'd, I'd be, you know, I'd be telling that story all day if I had an NBA player in my class. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Mr. Artest, he was good. That's why uh, that was a crazy moment when um he, yeah, you know, he went into the stand and did what he did. But uh, I mean, listen, you can only push a guy's button so far, right? You can't, you can't start chucking yeah. beers and stuff at people. <laughs> they are humans yeah. too. 
Hell yeah, man. All right, cool, I mean, man. Listen, let's wrap this up. I think uh, probably if we have anyone else listening to this right now, they're, they're like, what the fuck are these guys talking about? But I appreciate you coming on and talking. Yeah. This was really cool, man. Like, um, I really like that you're into all the sports, too, and we got to talk about that because that, that's awesome. A lot of people that I talk to, like, right now are just, like, strictly either baseball or football, and there's not a lot of basketball dudes that do baseball, too, so it's cool getting to talk to you about everything. So it's, uh, it's definitely something I don't get to experience a lot, so absolutely thanks. hey no thanks thanks for having me on my man like that's this has been a great experience and i'm i think we made up for lost time honestly right definitely definitely i'm known for having long pods and this is great like i said like in the beginning like i i don't like you know turning stuff off i don't like stopping stuff to you know talk about something else because i want to keep it moving i love this this just general like laid back talk about you know and just diving into stuff and we're like wait what are we talking about again you know like i think that's the best part of podcasting and talking to people and getting to know people you know yeah no that's uh, i mean this has been it felt like an interview at first and i was like no we're just riffing like it's just two guys riffing and it's cool it's like that's i like that about your podcast and that's kind of something i want to adjust with mine the operating room again for anybody who's still listening for some reason yes yeah but tell uh tell everyone where yeah, to find you for sure yeah. yeah the operating room at rotosurgeon on twitter r-o-t-o surgeon but Love uh Love what was the I yeah yeah i mean it, it just it, it matches my last name my i used to say my surgeon to anglicize it and you know it is what it is it is my name it is my twitter name now but with my pod I, i'm trying to be a little more casual because i don't want to feel like you know you got to kind of break those like break that ice not have it so formal when you have a guest on you don't really know too well like with if i had you on and i'm sure i'll have you on in like the next month or maybe leading up to football season i'm sure you're doing football but um not really not really oh okay yeah. then we'll do something maybe we'll do yeah. something next Next month talking about late season baseball trade deadline maybe we'll figure it out but yeah we'll figure uh, it out make it work when we get to that we'll get we'll cross that bridge but what i'm saying is uh having breaking the ice with someone you don't really know as well is hard and that's something that i think you do really well because you know not that we've ever we haven't talked much outside of twitter right. but you're really good uh you know you're very conversational you're very friendly you're very approachable in that like that uh talking sense or whatever you're you're just a nice dude so like it's it's great to have that i i aim to be like that and it's hard because you know on twitter at least my persona is very um blunt yeah (laughs) so sometimes so you know some people might not know like you know i'm just i'm just messing around like i'm I'm just like you know i'm I'm fucking around on twitter half the time like i'm just it's twitter i don't care you know i i don't try to be offensive i just try to be like you know i'll attack your takes i'm not attacking your person like i'm not attacking who you are at all like i like everybody i think everybody on twitter that i interact with is a really cool guy and like or girl or whatever and is just you know i'm you know if you have a take that i i don't agree with i'm gonna mess around with you and you know sometimes it comes off road and i'm sorry if i did a like you know i i said something i don't like and i like everyone everyone's free to come into my dms and say they didn't like what i said i'm, I'm more than open to talking about it and you know finding a mutual understanding and i don't know why i'm talking about this right now but nevertheless you know you do this really well <laughs> what i'm getting to is you do this really well in say, general thank you on buddy. twitter on twitter and through your uh through this your podcast so uh, again just thanks for having me on man hundred percent. I really appreciate you taking the time out and, uh, and come out and talk to me and, um, we'll talk again soon, my man. Definitely. Definitely. Have a good night, brother. Bye. Alrighty folks. Again, thank you for tuning in to the poor Headed podcast. Any rating review is greatly appreciated. Um, take the time out to do that. That would be truly wonderful. And thank you for everyone who has done so already. Um, you guys make it happen for me. Keep listening. Really appreciate it. Um, yeah. That being said, everyone, don't be a bag of shit. It's just not worth it. So many other things to do. So many other things you could spend your energy on. Let me know if you need help.